five, four, three, two, one. Hello, this is Daniel Kwan. Hi, Daniel Kwan. Hi. I'm a big fan. My name's Daniel Scheinert. Ew, gross. What? <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> uh, we're the Daniels. We wrote and directed this movie. What are we doing today? Uh, we're doing a commentary. Writers and directors commentary. But we're in the middle of the press tour. Our brains are kind of on fire. Hopefully, um, hopefully we just we started can... getting like compliments online from uh, filmmakers we love. And so uh, we're in a really funny space. So this commentary is going to be, uh, you know, unpredictable. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a... So this shot is the family portrait. Um, it was really important that we started off with just like a, a really gentle moment where we can see them as a family happy um, and you know before all of the bad stuff starts happening. And we spent so long on this shot. Dan and Larkin, our cinematographer, just loved talking about this shot. Just pushing through this mirror. It was so important. We had to find the right mirror. We had to build the right set just for this. And this shot right here is something that you know I've had in my mind for a while. Just a woman overwhelmed by her surroundings. Um, this is very much based off of how a lot of my aunts and uncles' houses live, were growing up, and especially my grandparents. Just you see the uh, Chinese phone book that you get from the grocery store. You see the weird um, glowing butterfly display on the left. <laughs> it's like all of this is very much from. Uh, from my childhood. Yeah, we had like photos of your grandparents' apartment yeah. like that we shared with the uh, art team and then collected other photos. Yeah, um, I've had I've had uh, some Asian American audience members come up to me and say that this uh this apartment triggers them because it's like even that that <laughs> yeah, sound from that rice cooker. Some people were like that's the rice cooker. I had that one. Exactly. Which, yeah. Um so this the camera work here was meant to be very, you know, just invisible hopefully but not many cuts especially knowing where the movie goes we wanted to keep it really simple and elegant um, starting off mm -hmm. basically trick the audience into thinking this is going to be a normal movie totally on the wall behind michelle up there is one of our is our producer's cameo we there's a photo of him as someone not to trust i think it says like this man stole you know some something. laundry yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love putting our crew in our movies. Yeah, we're gonna spoil all the um, all the little cameos for you over the next two hours. Um, even the sound design in this in this um, room, we spent a long time just building all every layer. You get the microwave sound, you get the the fan, you get the um, the, the boiling pot back boiling in the background. background. Just like everything is supposed to be f like already feeling like it's too much. So that you know, by the time the multiverse comes in, it's you're already like a little nervous about how overwhelming it's going to be. Totally. Um, but yeah, Jason and Kelsey and uh, Amelia, the, um, our production design team, killed it with this apartment set. It's one of my favorite sets in the whole movie. Seeking a divorce. Um. Yeah, this is our little precursor to the bagel. A lot of circles in the movie, um, which we just leaned into. Um, so this is the incredible Stephanie Shu and Tally Medell, um, who actually were friends before, or, or like acquaintances they before. They knew each other, yeah. and we also knew both of them um, before making the movie. Uh, but they just, uh, they made such a perfect couple. So cute. Um, Tally is someone that we went to school with, and she's just one of the most uh, 
empathetic actresses like the moment she's on screen you just fall in love with her which is you know what we needed for this character since with very little um, screen time we needed to make sure that you loved her just as much as uh, Joy did they're also the same height so it's just fun to yeah, photograph that's, them that's together true. <laughs> just stick them next to each other like oh let's do more shots of yeah Shu and Becky uh, we started shooting this scene and immediately Tally and Waymond uh, Tally and Key were just like in love with each other and wouldn't stop like improvising and making each other laugh and giggling which is you know appropriate for the characters oh yeah a lot a lot on the cutting room floor um, this is uh, <sighs> this is our, our little food sequence originally there was going to be a, a spaghetti universe and so that's why this was in here um, in a lot of ways this whole opening is sort of like the opening of um, Home Alone um, uh -huh. it's such a that that opening of Home Alone is such a fun introduction of everything that's going to come back in the movie and if we, you've watched home alone 10 times like we have yes uh then you just start to be like oh my gosh we go to every room we set up every prop every gag that's the window they're going to fall out of that's yeah. the staircase they're going to fall down yeah it's, it's a brilliantly structured intro and so uh our opening is is part that and part um punch drunk love the mm. the anxiety of just running around um in the um the plunger factory, um, right. or the, sorry, the plunger distribution center or whatever. Similar to Home Alone, we <laughs> shot uh, that apartment was a set that was built in the cafeteria, and I think I read that Home Alone's house was also in the... Was like in a gymnasium in a school or something yeah, that yeah, they built. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this is an actual laundromat in like San Fernando um, that we went and yeah. got to shoot in for a week, Major's Laundry. Mm -hmm. um, Shout out to Majors Laundry. Majors Laundry, they were so accommodating, but uh, it was so great to have like um, the store manager there yeah. to kind of like give so us tips and that, tricks on that how guy, it all works. That guy is uh, part of the uh, Marshall Club, and he just we wanted to give him a cameo. So yeah, so he there. was our um, stunt PA. I think he was like working with the stunt team for the whole right. process, but he also was part of the team that did all the previs fights. The amazing. Jenny Slate. Um, we've had the pleasure to work with her a couple times in the past, and we just we're just always looking for more excuses to put her in things. And yeah, she, and when we told her like you're just talking to an imaginary person on the other end of a Bluetooth, like it was off to the races. She just wouldn't stop like adding in jokes and having fun with her fighting with her ex-husband on the other end of the oh, Bluetooth. This shot, that foot shot right there. I've had a lot of people come up to me after like a screening, and be like, I like that foot shot a lot. These stool shots are like a little tease to what uh, yeah. what Michelle's capable of. We what? shot even more kung fu -y stool stuff that, yeah. that's on the cutting room floor. Right. And uh, you know the baseball bat has the googly eyes, but all of uh, if you if you watch this entire sequence, there's googly eyes hidden everywhere, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. um, so such an honor to get Santa Claus oh. uh, in the movie back there. Yeah, we actually shot this movie before um, <laughs> that season two came out of um, I, think I Think You, you Should, should leave, leave with Tim Robinson, if you haven't right. seen it. Um, so this incredible actor, Biff Whiff, is... Um, he plays Santa Claus on that sketch show. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we just cast him because his name was Biff Whiff, and he yeah. was a great actor, but also... Um, so that number 42 on the laundry bag is such a stupid, obvious nod to Douglas Adams in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, but, you know, in case yep. you didn't get it, it's... It's uh, it's a big influence on this movie. So this is like the first time we get a chance to see that this is a sci-fi movie. It was kind of a fun challenge to, s to figure out how to make it so that the audience would notice the right frame and watch his, you know, Wayman's head drop down at we that right moment. We recut this so many times trying yeah. to figure out how to get you to 
enjoy, you know, yeah. his his little routine in the background. Do you remember if that was DY or was that Andy? So it's a mix of, uh, I think it's it's DY doing the somersault was like yeah. Wayman's stunt double for this scene. Yeah. Uh, and then Wayman doing the other shots. And it was so fun to be like big crew doing like a movie. We're so proud of how good it's looking. And then we just put a bunch of GoPros in the corners. Yeah. And we're like, everybody clear out. We're just going to shoot a GoPro scene now. Yeah. Um, so here's our kind of funny weird take of a like culturally insensitive musical from the past in so the it's our, uh, this is our king and i king and i south pacific yeah. uh kind of where it's yeah in a lot of ways this whole opening is just filled with these like strange microaggressions and, and little moments where people aren't seeing each other for like actual human beings and so you know there's a little bit of racism, a little bit of sexism, a little bit of ageism, and but all of it is not intentional. It's just a product of the fact that um, there's so much going on that no mm -hmm. one can actually just see each other. And so that was another part of it. And even just like calling the customer big nose is something that like a lot of Chinese immigrants say of white people in general. Like it's like it's like a kind of catch-all name that like isn't meant to be derogatory. It just happens to be what they call uh, a lot of white customers. And so, you know, when you watch this with an Asian American audience, a lot of people laugh at that just because it's like it's it's such a common thing mm -hmm. um but again it's just like a lot of like really small cruelties so that by the end of the movie when people are finally able to see each other you can kind of see um the change and the one and only james hong Woo! he was 91 years old when he shot this movie i cannot believe it he did all his own stunts too <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> we were very careful. Yeah. No, he had like five different stand-ins. It was very, very great. Yeah. One of his stand-ins uh, agreed to shave his head because he mm -hmm. wanted to be James Hong's stand-in so bad. Yeah. Because we were like, we kind of need a bald head to test the light out on. <laughs> so this Chinese, um, this terrible Chinese is very inspired by my terrible Chinese. and. Mm. This interaction is basically what happens whenever I go to visit my Can you say I speak terrible Chinese in terrible Chinese oh. right now? That's See? All right. For those of you who know. I think, I think that's like my Chinese is really rotten. I'm not really sure. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um, uh, James would constantly be punching up the script. Uh, gong gong grandpa. And uh, our translator, Echo Kwan, would be you know, with a headset, and she would just die laughing at the end of takes, and we'd be like, oh no, what did James say? Uh, and he'd <laughs> always just be muttering crazy insults or, you know, creating backstory for Gong Gong, and then uh, in the edit, we worked with um, our assistant editor, um, Zoe, to kind of pick and choose yeah. what what we what to keep. This is another moment that I feel like the Asian American community really gets and like other people, maybe not so much. Like if you watch it with uh, an audience of Asian Americans, they don't laugh at the you're getting fat joke. It's 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 like a very familiar like um, act mm. of love and or just like a way to express love without saying it. But, you know, there's a disconnect there. Right. Um, so it's I feel yeah. like some sometimes like uh, the rest of the audience will like gasp in horror yeah. or laugh a lot. Right. Um, but it's just this kind of familiar sadness that right. that you feel. It's inspired by the first time so I heard someone shot, call you fat, and I was like, "Are you okay?" Yeah. So this shot of Joyce um, driving upset is like one of the few pickup shots that we did um, 
that we realized we needed, and it really sets up the whole movie as a portrait of this family. You know, and of th- these two, especially the yeah. mother and daughter being disconnected. Um, yeah. It was like, it made such a difference in the test audience right. screenings to be like, oh, let's just see her alone, you know, reeling from this opening. Um, so this was just like a funny joke. Um, every time my mom, or every time my, my wife would ask me what, what am I thinking about, I would, I would tell her everything. And so it's like a little funny joke to her. <laughs> There's a little pizza sign spinner guy, a little introduction to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or to her, oh, actually, no, that was Kira. That was her. That was yeah, that Kira. was Michelle's stunt double playing the sign spinner there. Yeah. Uh, this is like a two-story building. Um, and we just uh, made it into like a 14-story monstrosity there were some mock-ups we did that i kind of wanted to use that looked even sillier like full-on science fiction buildings yeah. but we we're like no, no no make it look make it look somewhat real oh there's terry the pterodactyl in the background yeah, back there in the background or taxi sorry the, uh, taxi uh, taxi he's spelled p-t-a-x-i and he's a yeah. he's a pterodactyl who's the irs's mascot that our production <laughs> designer invented and uh it was a war between Larkin, the cinematographer, and Jason, the production designer, to get Taxi into shots, and then Larkin would be like, too much Taxi, get Taxi the pterodactyl out of this shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was when we started having fun. I'm really excited about all the like inserts and, and you know close-ups that we got a chance to play with here that kind of make, like, look at the shot, boom, and then the spin. That's like <laughs> That stuff is like, that's what makes kung fu films so fun, is those really great inserts. Um, and sound effects. And sound effects. There's a. We couldn't find a bagel umbrella, but they found a donut umbrella, so mm-hmm. that was enough. So this is actually just a projector that we we animate. We sent, we made some animations and we just projected on her head. So there's no effects really, except for cleaning up some of the spill. Mm-hmm. So we always try to mix as much practical effects with with visual effects, um, and a lot of times the visual effect is just clean up as opposed to the thing you're looking at. Yeah. Um, We uh, we got to use James Hong's toupee there. You know, he looks so young. <laughs> um, right there for young Waymond. We spent a while being like, can we somehow motion track Key Kwan's childhood face onto that actor and make it look like Short Round? Uh, did not work. It's <laughs> too much work, and it, it wasn't worth it. So this sequence was kind of like a fun revelation. Basically, we could take a sci-fi conceit which is someone scanning someone's brain for their life memories and in the same um in the same motion you're also getting their 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 full life uh, story so it's mm-hmm. like a little bit of sci-fi stuffed in with a little bit of character backstory it was a real aha moment when we were writing uh and we came up with this scene and we were like oh wow now we can uh tease everything that's going to come later all of michelle's uh characters regrets and all the Ooh, relationships emo, that emo we're going to tease sorry she had so much fun being <laughs> emo joy <Yeah. laughs> guys if you can't tell this movie's really hard to do a commentary for because there's too much happening we're, ne- we're gonna have to do two passes right this is great this is like the first time you see michelle yo just like fully uh, mind blown yeah um, which you don't really get to see in any most of her films most of her films she is very composed yeah. Um, and it's so funny and so rewarding. And she's so good that. at it. Like yeah. the very first day of the shoot, we started doing some of overwhelmed Evelyn and I was like, Oh my God. Like I, you just like lean forward at the monitor and be like, I'm so compelled by this vulnerability, you know? 
Um, and it was somewhat unexpected. <laughs> Gong Gong was supposed to be asleep in this scene, and James Hong refused. He was like, no, I think he'd be uh, just picking at his teeth. Picking at his teeth <laughs> and he was always trying to uh, create some fun business for his character. So this atrium shot is a big reason why we wanted to come to this um Office building, building, this office building. Like we're in Simi Valley, California. Such a unique looking building. The only problem was like we did not have the resources to dress the whole thing. But mm -hmm. you know, Jason and Kelsey found a way to make it work. It looks fully, you know, it looks like a fully realized environment. Yeah. One of Jason's favorite tricks is that uh, instead of getting working monitors for all the computers, uh, he would just print out a desktop photo and then like just a screenshot. Like a, yeah, it says like a piece of paper on. A monitor and on camera it works so well you don't need power yeah he said he's had fights in the past on commercials and movies where people are like no you gotta make the monitors work and he's like guys it's gonna cost thousands of dollars <laughs> i just want to say that this is this is our first day of shooting this is the first scene that we ever shot and it was thrilling to watch all of these like you know legends <laughs> all in the same space playing yeah. with each other yeah like you know I think like Jamie taking such a risk with her character and being so grounded but weird uh, just kind of set the tone of the whole movie and everyone was like, all right, let's go for it. Like, she's going for it. Oh, that's the Schedule C line. That was mm. the one line. Dan read so many tax books <laughs> yeah. so that he could get that one line of dialogue exactly. right. Exactly. <laughs> and the chef. Last time you told me no, that. that please. A teacher. Oh, right here, there used to be this really lovely tracking shot from the side mm -hmm. um, that where we went from Deirdre's face all the way to. Um, it was a great shot Evelyn's that would have made the movie about twenty-five seconds longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is this is our funny, silly introduction to the uh, do something improbable, um, and I love the tension that's built from the uh, the score. This is. Um, Sun Lux was, were the composers, and specifically this song was actually borrowed from one of Ryan Lott's, um, one of the composer's uh, solo, albums. solo albums, and he repurposed it for this moment, and it's really lovely. Yeah. It was such a treat that um, we got to work with them in general, but what they did was they gave us the, all their records without vocals, um, and we used it for temp music, um, and so this is one of the opportunities where we actually just used one of their songs but yeah. most of the time then they could they had to replace their own music but they already knew like oh i know how i did that so this next so shot, is, shot this next shot these. is a hundred percent practical there's no effects there until there right there yeah um the, the but cracking glass it was but, all done with like shutter shutter angle and, and 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 frame rate and just like michelle in a rolly chair and a with a leaf blower yeah. kind of like I love Very these these glass transitions that we came up came up with. Um, a lot of that was developed with between me and Ethan Feldau, one of our VFX artists. Mm -hmm. um, and then, we, yeah, the other crazy thing was those rotating shots around Michelle. Our grip team, TJ and his team, had to build the tiniest circle dolly so that the yeah. camera could wrap around Michelle within a closet. Yeah, um, and it was uh, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You, you remember when Michelle went back into the closet? The um, the broom jiggles behind her. Oh and, yeah. And I think we had to hide a PA yes, in the garbage can. Just to shake it, yeah. Or something. Totally. Like or maybe we did it with string. I can't yeah. remember. For a while we were hiding a person <laughs> in a in a garbage can so that we could jiggle the broom. 
Yeah, this is another little mini set that the art department built. They built it into the wall of um of the existing building. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's fun because then we could do things like build um, specific grip rigs, or even do this gag here with with Deirdre when she pops up. Hello. Classic, classic transition. Mm-hmm. Very Michelle Gondry, Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love her favorite people to rip off. Like I love this moment where Michelle just like pokes at her husband mm-hmm. right here. It's just just like such a nice little. <laughs> Again, that was like the first day of shooting, and then we our editor Paul Rogers mocked it up that week, and so watching some of this stuff intercut and watching how Michelle had a continuity between her performance, mm-hmm. you know, was I was like, oh my god, thank God Michelle is the lead on this she's she's gonna glue this all together she's yeah. so good at you know making something she shot one week uh, I feel flow like, into something else i feel like we just missed in a very important moment the che- Chekhov's butt plug um, yeah is i think gonna be you know something they teach in high school a literary who device. was it that sent us the Chekhov's oh, butt plug? ted chang, ted uh, chang one of our favorite sci-fi writers was like I liked the movie, and my friend, I think a friend of his coined yeah. Chekhov's butt plug. Once you introduce yeah. a butt plug, someone's got to plug a butt. Yeah. <laughs> so just you wait. It's another just beautiful moment from Michelle that, like, grounds it all to just see how much that hurts. <laughs> and Jamie's just loving it, just chewing it up. Mm-hmm. The scene was hard to edit because every angle was an incredible actor doing an incredible job, you know? I was like, oh, do we point at Deirdre or Waymond or Michelle? Your daughter to help you translate. I am going to bring my Sorry. So this is where we're playing with the sound design of the voices to kind of sound like radio sounds from another universe. We use, like, the, the, the um, yeah, the sounds of, of radio and telephone and stuff like that to kind mm-hmm. of play with the audio we're two minutes past it but one of the sounds we spent a long time trying to figure out was like the charging up of the um headset and our brent kaiser and our team at unbridled sound sent us so many different kind of user interface sounds to choose from and we uh, like i think one of the key ingredients is mixing sci-fi sounds with with real sounds that are from everyday life and so that charging mm -hmm. sound was actually the flashbulb charge of a of a camera yeah uh, like a disposable kodak camera and it like as soon as we put that in we're like that's it that's so we we all have such a sense memory of just like turning the flash on on one of those and hearing it yeah this is one of dan kwan's favorite nerdy jokes was to ruin the subtitles there (laughs) yeah it was a big pain in the ass for international people uh for the international uh territories but um this is fun this is like a weird collision of uh two universes and it's kind of a just a introduction to how to watch the rest of the movie you're going to realize there's a lot of um, tonal shifts and you know things aren't going to make a lot of sense and you're going to lose you're going to miss a lot of things just like the characters you know Mm -hmm. We, we love impressive visual effects, but like, I have such a soft spot for just basic camera tricks, and those are just boring old camera whips. Where we're just yeah. panning from one scene to the other, and once you put that in the edit, there's just something so fun mm. about a match cut or a camera whip. I love Jamie's um, physicality here. She's just like a minotaur in in a um, labyrinth. It's, uh, it's so fun. And then I'm proud of that moment where the pipe hits her face, because you know there's a lot of discussion about how to safely 
you know, hit Michelle with a pipe and we had a, it wasn't a real metal pipe, but still the, the technique we used was just to slowly pan the, pan the camera and just mush her face with a pipe. You know, we, it's like a five second move and then we just speed it up in the edit and it feels kind of intense. Yeah. No chance of injury. (laughs) Jamie's having the most fun ever. Look at this. Just. Yeah, that tension. Um, this, for those of you who have seen this movie already, this is almost the you know, precursor to the end of the film when um, Wayman talks Deirdre out of, you know, arresting um, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Evelyn is so lost in her own thoughts. She always, uh, always misses the conversation. Oh, tomorrow is better. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Six p.m. Thank you so much. Thank you for the cookies. So those are like a, a take on traditional uh, Chinese almond cookies. We, we turned them into smiley faces because we felt like that's what uh, Wayman would do. But like the classic almond cookie is just a... Uh, single almond, a single usually. single almond in the middle of Or the sometimes cookie. there's like a single red dot of dye. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, this is where it gets kind of fun where uh, our characters are in different movies. So Wayman thinks he's in a family drama about divorce and Evelyn thinks she's in a sci-fi film about saving the multiverse. That was like an early aha moment in the screenwriting to be like, okay, we're using the multiverse to kind of play with how in modern life uh, or just in life in general, everyone thinks they're the star of their own movie. And a lot of times we're not on the same page about which movie we're in, you know? Um, right. And to really lean into that with the characters and add more and more. Even the score is kind of playing with that. Like we kind of bounce back and forth between little... Uh, a hint of the sci-fi score and a hint yeah. of the emotional stuff. Yeah. And here she thinks she's back in the sci-fi action movie. <laughs> Deirdre's coming to chase her. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to fight. This is a shot coming up that I'm really proud of that's so simple is just gong gong is in his thing waymond in the background is picking up the paperwork doing his thing but she doesn't notice and she's in so all three of them are in, think they're in different movies oh man and jamie loved doing this just getting punched by michelle yo was like a dream of hers and she just wanted to do take after take just falling to the ground yeah we we're like oh, take it easy you, you okay <laughs> coming after us. Oh, oh, oh you have no idea lady oh, assaulting an irs agent you have no idea oh This was one of the first emotional scenes we shot like a couple days into the shoot and just both Key and Michelle's ability to go from a playful moment to such sincerity, you know, um, was was such a relief as a director to be like, oh, they're going to make this movie work. I feel like a lot of um, Korean cinema plays with those contrasts, those tonal contrasts, mm-hmm. and it, it just feels so wonderful when it's pulled off, and we wanted this film to be that on, you know, yeah. times a thousand. It, back like in that college. that transition right there is so great. <laughs> yeah, he just it's pulls very, his glasses on. It's very yeah. mean, but also, like, uh, just feels kind of real to us, you know, like, just the tonal whiplash of modern life. Okay, and there's uh, Brian Le, one of our choreographers, and... Uh, <laughs> 
the the best um one of the best fighters I've ever met. He's yeah. incredible. But he's such a hyper ball of energy in real life. Yeah, he's so like a puppy dog. We were I like, love okay, him. we're gonna audition Brian to see if he can uh settle into a, a somewhat serious role. Um and he he did, which I'm so proud of because I'm so glad because his character has such a fun arc. I love the buildup of this entire sequence. It's like you know, part of the part of the fun of you know Western standoffs or any any fight scene is is the buildup to the release. And Sunlux's score here is just so great. It's like our own version of the Matrix score. Okay, whatever you think about doing, don't do it. Um, part of it, the appeal of Sunlux also is that. Um, all three of them are multi-instrumentalists uh, with like knowledge of instruments from around the globe and knowing that the movie was about the immigrant experience like we were like just so excited to lean into like all the crazy different genres that each of them is familiar with yeah so this shot was really jankily done with the you know Fisher dolly but it's fun and then uh, you can see the our aspect ratio changes here we're now in 239 we're now in action movie world and so other than that first shot, all of these, most of these shots we did with actual anamorphic lenses, uh, which meant as we shot this sequence, the camera team was having to constantly check and be like, which universe? Do we switch? Do we switch? And switching back and forth. I love these insert shots. Woo! Boom. Those are kind of inspired by a lot of things, but especially the Grandmaster by Wong Kar Wai we watched. And it's got the best inserts, just entire fight scenes that are inserts. Um, this is obviously just the most Jackie Chan fight ever. It's just, you know, Jackie Chan just takes anything and turns into a weapon and uh, we really wanted to take the stereotypical Asian dad with a fanny pack and, and flip it on his head and man key killed it he's this is one of the best fight scenes in the movie like that's that's the Jackie Chan shot classic mm -hmm. and then this is more the uh, Guy Ritchie shot right yeah <laughs> exactly yeah um, that's Andy Lee the um, other choreographer, other choreographer. It's not double but basically every other shot is key yeah Oh, no, there's Andy. Yeah. And now we're back to Keith. Yeah. We're ruining the magic. If you think the movie's magic, just stop the commentary track right now because we're going <laughs> to poke out all the tricks. Yeah. You know, like the fact that the wall on the left looks kind of shitty is because it's a breakaway wall that's going to That we're going to use later. later. Yeah. I love this moment when we came up with it. We're like, oh, yeah, let's milk it. He's just going to sit there and stick some rocks in the fanny pack. We watched a lot of Kung Fu Hustle to figure out uh, what to do with this sequence. And like this shot right here, right there, boom, is like straight up something we took from Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> uh, one of the ways we managed to do this all safely was that... Hold on, this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot. Boom. Key did that all by himself. Second take. Yeah. Sorry. But continue. And that uh, stunt performer really did that fall to the ground. But we no made a wires, giant piece of uh, carpeting that looked the same and then stuck pads underneath it so that we could kind of safely do a bunch of the stunt work, um, but without any visual effects or every once in a while we'd have to clean up the carpet, you know, but right. nothing else. Yeah, it's kind of like with like um, professional wrestling, but the, the ground is actually kind of bouncy. Right. Or lie here and live with the consequences. I want to lie here. And this is us going back to the closet. I love I love this shot because it just ends on like a terrible frame, like You're kind like, of kind like, of a trash can. What are filmmakers doing? Yeah. 
Citizens of the 4,600. <laughs> one of the one of the background extras took a picture on set and posted on Instagram yeah, while she we started, were shooting. Like, Instagramming, <laughs> and we were like, "That's the first rule of being on set: is don't post." So she so. she did a great job on this day, and then um, never was, was came not back. Invited back. Um, so that we call this plaid Vader look. This mm -hmm. is the Joe Butchapaki introduction. There's a fun deleted scene right there where. Oh, uh, hold on. this is actually all done practically with balloons. Yeah, okay. or it's a mix. I think the first hair is yeah. CG, and yeah. the last hair is just a balloon with static on it. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, the deleted scene is she insults Deirdre, and Deirdre cries and jumps off the balcony, and just demonstrates how much she worships Jobu. So this is the first time she tries to see if this Evelyn can handle everything, and she can't handle everything, and so she dies. But it becomes sort of uh, the introduction to the flashing faces that we we push to a very far degree later. Mm -hmm. We shot this whole movie before the pandemic, uh, but ended up with accidentally putting all these face masks and face shields into the movie because well, it's just a part of kind of that's how Asian cult or Asian countries operate, anyways. Mm -hmm. Especially because of SARS, everyone's mm -hmm. wearing masks all the time. Once again, we get the. Ooh, the flippy flippy and the aspect ratio shift. We did um, as many practical effects, like we were saying. Uh, our our VFX coordinator was able to like make that news footage and play it on the TV, so it was just practically up there. Not the hardest visual effect to do, but just when in doubt, it's so nice to be able to photograph a real thing and have the actors react to a real thing. My husband won't even kill the spider. How can you be the same person? You underestimate how the smallest decisions can compound to significant differences over life. I feel like this day was funny. Um, Michelle's partner, Jean, was visiting, and Michelle was very distracted. <laughs> uh, but she did a great job still. They had a lot of fun. Yeah. The nice thing, oh, this bit coming up uh, was one of the funniest days on set because uh, James wanted to do a lot of takes with this pudding, um, but we didn't have much sugar-free pudding um, for him to do many takes. So he kept resetting after each take by spitting the pudding back into the cup. And our, and our boom operator our started, boom operator started crying, crying, trying our, yeah, not to props, laugh. Our props team was like, like literally just like heaving in the corner. It yeah. was awful. <laughs> so funny. Uh, so this is our like Star Wars sort of Mad um, Max, Max. sci-fi universe. That, um, that RV is very much a Jason Casvarde RV. He loves vehicles. Um, he's a big He's our production designer. And yeah. He, the first draft of the script, uh, or one of the early drafts, he read it, and he was like, it's pretty cool. Maybe the Alphaverse should be in a car. <laughs> Specifically in an RV. Yeah, because yeah. he was like, there's not enough cars in this movie, and I yeah. love cars. So we, we did it. It was yeah. a good idea. It added energy, you know. Yeah. Fun fact, he um, he might retire from production design and just become a stunt driver. That's what right his dream is. Right now it's just is. his part-time yeah. thing. He's officially a, a, a SAG stunt driver because he did some stunt driving in this movie. Um, so, you know. The gum. I love... Hire him. There's this little padunk sound when he hits it. That's actually just the trash can that we had on set that he spat in. And we kept it. It's very cute. This little shift in 
Wayman's performance is so funny, and it's the kind of stuff that really makes this perform this this character so mm -hmm. so hard to to pull off on screen or on the paper. But mm -hmm. like he, he he kills it. He He's worked so really fun. hard at it, and uh, had a movement coach and a vocal coach, and uh, just came to set so prepared. So it was not, you know us as brilliant directors it was like him recognizing what the role required and this shot happen. this shot is one of those shots where we had no time left at the end of the day we had like 10 minutes and we just had to combine three or four shots and into we're like one. can we do it all in one and so then they come down the stairs we see past, the person coming up turn door closes ah yeah just, and we made our day it's just really simple we were constantly trying to come up with ways to keep this same building visually interesting and uh and so we came up with the idea of you know security lighting and the, the lights being off in this hallway to kind of uh lean into the moodiness of the scene but also just make it so you're not just looking at cubicles and hallways that look mm -hmm. the same for for hours and hours This speech was an attempt to, you know, understand the Alphaverse's mission so that we could, you know, turn it on its head when you realize they're actually not the good guys. Um, but, but Dan, when he was writing, accidentally used the lyrics from Absolutely Story of a Girl by the band Nine Days. And uh, we kept it. <laughs> we kept it and then we licensed the song and then we snuck it in the movie in three other scenes. I, I just love how silly this movie can be and how much our actors, like, without much direction from us, how mm -hmm. much they, you know, like, this, this shot of Michelle is so, um, so simple, but, mm -hmm. like... But so evocative. And yeah. Just holding on her just helped us remind the audience, like, this woman's journey is real and worth investing in, you know, as silly as it gets. And then... Uh, this is our little horror mo horror movie moment. Yeah, and so, for some reason, Jamie was pretty familiar with horror movie tropes. She's really good at them. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was really fun to finally see her be the stalker and not be mm -hmm. the, you know, damsel in distress final girl. <laughs> what is she doing? It's belly her, sucking. Her belly sucking and All her practical. scream. That's, yeah. Those were both her idea. She was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, this is what my character should do. Yeah, we told her that she would become a pro wrestler, and she just took that and went crazy with it. Um, <laughs> shout out to Combrink, Jonathan Combrink, and his uh, special effects team for that amazing, just like, just shoving the uh, the cubicles. Those cubicles are heavy. Shoving the cubicles mm -hmm. and having they the They built dust a whole kind out. of slider set up so that you could easily move the cubicles like that. This scene is so fun to watch in the audience in the movie theater. It's like mm -hmm. um, so uncomfortable. People are screaming. People we didn't are realize, like, I realized once we were shooting it how upsetting it was going to be. Yeah. Just watching him try to get a paper cut on set, I, I was getting nauseous. Uh, but we put tape, like scotch tape, over the edge of the paper uh, to make sure there was no chance it could uh, cut. <laughs> yeah. I love... I love our two um, alpha officers in the RV. They're mm -hmm. so fun to work with. We only worked with them for like half a day yeah. and sprinkled but they just came the in movie. and just, just killed it and had so much fun with them. Yeah. This is one of my visual effects that I did is bloods hitting the lens there on the left. It's our children <laughs> of men moment, but I don't know if anyone will ever notice it. Yeah. 
I love that you call it the Children of Men moment. It's such an obscure reference. The or, or, or Children of Men, you know, the, the blood, blood spatter, spatter on the lens. I know, <laughs> the famous blood spatter on the lens that happens once. This sequence was um, really fun to figure out how to shoot in slow motion because there's so many, like, you know, pulling the sign off, putting it underneath the back, smashing it. Mm -hmm. A lot of moving parts. We did a lot of mixing actual slow-mo with fake slow-mo in this movie. Fake yeah. slow-mo being when, like, people just act in slow motion, you yeah. know? Um, and if you're kind of mixing it up, the audience buys it. I love that little um, horror Claire de Lune um, hint. Hint, because uh, you know Claire de Lune ends up being uh, Deirdre's, you know, little motif that that you know pays off in the end with the the mm -hmm. foot piano shot. But this was like a, the initial tease. One of the scenes we rewatched for re for shot listing this sequence was the velociraptors in the kitchen from Jurassic Park um, just yeah. the kids hiding and this is nowhere near as good <laughs> yeah you cannot yeah you do not believe that uh, that she's gonna get caught or whatever like like that right there it's like so silly of course of course you're, you're just gonna notice that no she wouldn't okay <laughs> oh are we not roasting our movie no is that this? I don't wanna, we're gonna <laughs> cinema sins our movie for the next 10 minutes exactly yeah <laughs> let's do it um, let's point out what we this is a good moment to shout out the incredible Ethan Felbau um, and Zach Stoltz who helped us develop this very intricate specific UI graphics yeah. UI and we only had to do like 15 versions of that one shot and to get it to find the right yeah. vibe um, but this sequence was so important to us to figure out like even if you don't understand what Wayman's saying we wanted you to get like just a visual shorthand to be like okay I get the gist you know um, so this slingshotting moment was just uh, something we tried version after version of to try to see how kind of simple we could make it, you know? <laughs> Jamie just did whatever she wanted, and we just kept recording. Yeah. There were a lot of times where on set we shoot something, and I'm like, that's too much, but whatever, we'll shoot it. You know, we'll let the actors have fun or let the crew have fun. And then we get in the edit, and, it, and you try it out, and it works. And it's, yeah. it's so fun to have options. This is our drone shot that we got two different drone shots yeah. and then this sequence uh was the sequence that we weren't able to shoot because we shut down production for covid safety reasons back in 2020 um so michelle was not in that rv she's on a green screen in paris while key does this very emotional scene uh with uh, a stand-in it was it's the it's my least favorite way to make a movie, you know, um, is where people are having to act against a tennis ball or, you know, where their scene partners aren't there with them. But uh, it was necessary so that we didn't spread a disease and our actors um, did such a beautiful job under tough circumstances. Shout out to Tim Ulick and Kira, who uh, did that throw over the wall practically also and Colin, safely. Colin, our key rigger, or, oh or, or the stunt rigger. Our, yeah. our rigger was just climbing through the uh, attic of this building, just adding support beams and pulley systems so that we could do wire work. Um, and uh, so many shots in this movie I thought were out of our budget range, and, and, and Tim and Colin would be like, no, we've got a plan. We can do it, you know? Yeah. 
You have to go on IMDb to figure out everyone's last names. Uh, our whole crew's great. Uh, just, just cruise through. <laughs> or pause the credits. Um, actually, this song in the RV right now that's playing is the um, is a version of Story of a Girl, but done in a country ballad style. Or it was in the previous scene. Now we've right. switched into... Right. No, but um, the beginning of the scene starts. Right. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, John Hampson, the lead singer, was not only was he willing to let us use the song uh, and license it, he was like, how can I help? And so uh, yeah. we, we, he made us custom versions of the song to sneak it into lots of scenes. This is the uh, emotional whiplash that we were excited to play with here, where we get these really dramatic scenes, and they just get interrupted by a sci-fi movie, mm -hmm. which is kind of what it feels like to be alive right now. And in the edits, I think there were times where we were like, it's not working, and we realized the problem was it wasn't mean enough. Yeah. Like, we had to make it feel even more whiplashy so you knew it was on purpose. We could just slow-mo the movie and tell you 30 minutes of stories about this. Yeah, uh, that's actually Jamie jumping with a wire. She had so much fun. She had so much fun. We're just blasting her with air to get this all practically. Dan Brown, our assistant uh, stunt coordinator, said... He was like, I teared up while Michelle said, I love you. It's like, <laughs> it's like, again, just so impressive how Michelle Yeoh can... So I just, I walked around, I walked around with a camera for like a year, just filming different locations just to stitch together that one sequence. Yeah. So that, that zooming sequence has all of the museums that Dan visited one year, a bunch of location scouts we went on. Yeah. <laughs> and then our, uh, camera team put together a system where we pre-edited that zooming tunnel, projected it. Or That's like me. blasted it on the walls so that her, the light on Michelle's face would match exactly what she was traveling through. But yeah, that was one of Quan's cameos. He he stole the purse from from Michelle. This is Li Jing is the the master, the mm -hmm. kung fu master. And She's the woman who just got kicked in the face and then got punched is Machiko, who was uh, Michelle's stand-in for the whole shoot. So we got to know Machiko pretty well. Yeah, Li Jing actually teaches kung fu in L.A. and she is incredible. And Machiko was like a a martial arts star uh, in her youth uh, and was in like some yeah, kung Jack fu movies with Jackie Chan yeah or it was Sammo Hung she had a big fight with right, uh, but know. he wins even though she was like a total badass so here we did another hint of uh, Claire de Lune the piano song that comes back later this is the, the classic moment where the hero first discovers their power in a movie. And mm -hmm. so, much, so much of it works because of Michelle's face. Look yeah, it's so Her fun. just selling it, like these quick micro expressions. The flute sure is cool. Who's playing that dope flute? Mm. Sounds almost like outcasty, like <laughs> like kind of got a hip hop vibe because it's Andre 3000 playing the flute. We were told early on that whenever you have a script, you should write down like um, the emotional scale from one to ten. Every scene is going to be hitting, so you're not going ten all the way across because then your your audience gets exhausted. But mm -hmm. um, with this movie, we broke that rule and just you know we went to 
We just really like ten, ten, ten. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like no. here, just watching their performances, it's so heartbreaking and so mm -hmm. fully rendered. But then, mostly just for like a, a a strange meta joke about you know what it feels like to have multiple emotions colliding at this all all in one moment, multiple strong emotions. There's our first uh, everything bagel. Mm, looks delicious. Mm, I'm hungry. I haven't had breakfast yet. Um, coming from music videos, sometimes we uh, think that more is better, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which, you know, we still, you know, are maximalist storytellers. We've kind of decided to own that. But uh, I'm always shocked when we shoot a scene like this that's just simple coverage, you know, wide, close, close, a couple inserts, and then we get in the edit. And it's just such a treat. And like this scene is so enjoyable because the actors are good and the audience is invested. And But on the day when we were shooting, I was like, oh, is it interesting enough? Do we need to, you know, do more? Um, and there's a few scenes like that in Swiss Army Man 2 where just like, it didn't need more. And I'm so glad we didn't do more. In my universe, the cattle were killed off. One of the many things we lost. I'm glad we killed. You had a whole joke in the script about drinking breast milk instead of cow milk. <laughs> I don't remember yeah, that. And then he's like, it's not the same. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know if we need that joke. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> There's also a whole running bit about him slapping her a lot and about how uh, in his universe you're allowed to slap women, I think. <laughs> Which oh, we were like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, was... it's like we've reached gender parity and it's, it's, it's okay. And, Gosh. Uh, we're like, ah, I don't no, you know. No, that's not, yeah. It's just, just for the aspiring screenwriters out there who are like um, self-conscious that the rough drafts are bad. Um, so are ours. Ours are too. Mm -hmm. You have such a better memory of all that. I, I, I feel like I just threw that all out of my brain. Yeah. I'm I'm a good I'm good at remembering jokes in particular. I think it's why I want jokes in my movies is cuz it 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 makes me more invested in the characters. It makes me suddenly understand the scene if there's a joke and it lands. I'm like, "Oh, great. That's the stakes. That's what I'm supposed to want. That's what I didn't expect." Great. Mm. Um it's not even about getting a laugh. So we originally this wasn't in the script, but um people needed to just kind of see Jory turned into Jobu to yeah. make it super clear. So we yeah. added it. And, and it also fun. like gave us a vocabulary for what it looks like to become like Jobu. To become um, omni, omniversal. Yeah, yeah, so showing the black eyes, showing the cracked screen, showing the headset helped the journey that Evelyn's about to go on for the next hour clearer, you know? Um, I love this little limbo. It's such a funny, simple thing. But yeah, it totally... and that's just Steph Shu goofing off on set which we kind of we were constantly encouraging her to not do the same thing twice um a deleted scene that was fun was she walked towards the cop uh who turned around and was like ma'am you can't be here and she just gave him a high five <laughs> <laughs> this transition is literally just like a match cut match cut really yep. really simple we played with like whether or not to do a more complicated visual effect and uh and then i just did a match cut and i was like this feels better just this is the shitty poster of our movie within the movie mm -hmm. um a lot of people would see that poster and be like is that the poster for your movie <laughs> it's like it was sitting in so uh, embarrassing. Dan's house for years and people would be like huh the poster for your movie looks 
I love obviously this Good. the Wong Kar Wai um, step frame step printing effect that is just so fun. Um, this like two frames per second blurriness, um, which we heard elsewhere that like in his early low budget movies, the reason he used that effect was it was really affordable. You know, you're, you're well because you couldn't light the what you couldn't, you couldn't light it, but yeah. also film stock you end yeah. up using. Less 12 times less right. film and developing mm. less film, which is right. like such a funny backstory to such a beautiful well, effect. Larkin um, really fought to get that wide shot mm -hmm. of um, just the ceiling and them. Yeah. And we were like, no, there's we have so many background extras. Why? Yeah. We should really let They should that. be downstairs amongst the crowds. Yeah, but this is... Oh my it's, God, he's so, so much right. Better. Yeah. yeah, he fought hard for it and he was right. Um, it's something we encourage with our department heads is like to... To pick and choose some battles, you know, um, and and time and budget permitting, it's so fun to let each department head uh, have some fun, you know. Um, we we generally let really we off. let we let passion win more often than not. Mm -hmm. So if you're passionate about something and it fits within the overall vision, then right. why not? I'm sure all of them have a couple things where they're like, "Man, Daniels didn't let me do that thing." <laughs> <laughs> Said you copy. Uh, Anthony. Anthony's our our little security cop who gets mm -hmm. turned into confetti. One of one of my favorite things to do look. with casting is to audition actual stunt men and women, um, so that you don't have doubles. You just have a actor who can do their own stunts, and and that's what we did with all of the security guards in the fanny pack fight, and all the guards here are uh, stuntmen. Um, so they get to do all their own scene work. Soup to nuts. Um, I don't know why we always have like, we have two, we have cigarettes in this movie. It's so so regressive. Yeah, gotta, cigarettes are gross. This is how you know she's a bad guy. Yeah, that's she, why we put them in. She doesn't care about her lungs. Yeah, don't smoke, kids. That's a terminate. Don't vape either. <laughs> <laughs> um, our friend Julia Pot pointed out that the. Uh, Cigarette to the uh, chest was a was very um, Terminator Two, Arnold Schwarzenegger getting a, a cigar turn like mm. put out on his chest reference, yeah. not overt but. But that movie is seared in Dan Kwan's brain. Yeah. Sometimes Steph Shu would, after a take, be like, "What did I do?" Like almost <laughs> like Jobu would take over and. She'd be embarrassed by what Jobu brought out of her. Um, she still sometimes is like, why did you use that take where I go, you're going to make me walk through you? <laughs> <laughs> but we just loved it. So that's our assistant stunt coordinator, Dan, Dan Brown, Brown. With the uh, mustache. Uh, yeah. We hired him because he's great at his job, not just because his name's Dan. <laughs> He was such a good sport. Yeah, and he looks good in it. He looks really good. Yeah. So this is like some of our only squib, squib, squib work in our movie. We really didn't want to do too much gun stuff in this film. I think it's it's just such a pain in the butt to have to do flash like muzzle flashes for everything and. And also, yeah, it's just it's not just not as our fun. favorite genre. Of, yeah. From the get go, we're like, we want this to be, you know, kung fu hustle. We want it to be Kill Bill one, not Kill Bill two. <laughs> <laughs> It's these little transitions that make um, 
Steph, she was so good for this role. I feel like mm -hmm. most people would not be able to do that convincingly. You know, a lot of it is, is like so. Uh, Even just the like giggling afterwards, like yeah. it's just. Well, actually, the funny so thing is, the giggling was that's after we said cut. She just started laughing oh, at right. us, and I was yeah. like, "This is good. I'm gonna put it in." It just turns her that's into one a, of Dan's favorite things to do in the edit is use things that happened before or after we said action. Yeah, there's a deleted. Uh, there's a bunch of deleted dildo fighting that um, when we tested on people, we were like, "It's too much," you know. Like we want the movie's breaking at this point. And oh, we're that laugh right people. there. That laugh is. Oh, yeah. that's the one that was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After a take. Yeah. Where I said cut and she's just giggling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so originally this was all. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis was standing right behind her this mm -hmm. entire sequence, and there's a extended and explaining version. the rules of the Jobu religion and. Uh, right. Oh yeah. There's there's a whole doctrine. I forgot uh, about that. It was better to be creepy than to explain it. Um, and so, but like, Zach, oh my God, do you feel like an insane person when you start cutting out Jamie Lee Curtis's lines? But uh, like, you're like, what am I doing? Zach Stoltz and the VFX team had to basically remove her from every one of these shots. It was a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. But you'd never know. Matt Ardine, our amazing gaffer, who mm -hmm. who basically replaced all the lights in the entire building, more or less, yeah. so that he could have full control. Yeah, so um, all of these lights in the uh, ceiling tiles could switch colors, could do those chasers, and um, it was such a fun resource and, and allowed us to make our days to kind of pre-light the environments and have everything on a uh, you know an iPad where he could be like, oh, turn that one down, turn that one off. Cool, let's roll camera. It sounds like we're using Star Wars music here, right? Yeah. But it's just um, a sped up version of the classic uh, classical music. Um, which I guess is what John Williams did. Just <laughs> a lot of people point like break down John Williams scores and they're like, oh, he's just stealing bits and pieces from his favorite composers. From Holst and the planets and whatever. Yeah. Right. Which is also what uh, um, we do as filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> It took a really long time for us to figure out the hot dog sounds. Um, a lot of it is just like cat food, cat food. Yeah, talking. we're like it's not wet enough. It's not like funny enough. Yeah, there was a lot of squeaking early on, and we we're like, no, no, no it's gotta be wetter. Yeah. And so this is this is the reason why we we made the musical is so that we could show different mating rituals in different universes. Mm -hmm. so, so it starts we off as to like a kiss a, the first time, and then yeah. now we get to see uh, how they show their love in the universe. <laughs> And then this throwaway gag just got more and more elaborate as yeah. we went. It was supposed to be just like a single shot as a joke. And, and then we it just... became like a lot of shots. And man, whoever's playing those monkeys is doing a great job. So much Yeah, but energy. whoever's playing the trumpet here is oh. even better. Oh, that's, oh maybe uh, that's because Quan is playing the trumpet. And you're playing the monkeys. And I'm playing the monkeys. <laughs> uh, Dan Brown is the dead monkey, and I'm the one with the hot dog fingers. Yeah. Um. In case you don't, you couldn't tell, it's uh, Sunitha Manning, our incredible friend who was interned now for what? We just got her to come in for a day and uh, do a musical number. So these hot dogs are the creation of our incredible um, special effects makeup oh, man. Your trumpet is so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's distractingly good. Uh, uh, but Jason Hamer and his team, um, Jason and Hero mostly, um, they did the hot dog hands. They wanted to make it practical, just turn them into gloves. It was just really fun. Yeah. Um, and I think they molded Jamie's hand. Yeah. And then uh, that was the, so the, the gloves were exactly what Jamie's 
hands look like, just slightly bigger. Um, um, they, and they did, they did something for Michelle, too. I think for the okay. pinky that comes up later, but I'm not sure if they did it for this as well. Um, but yeah, it was, as soon as we put those gloves on Michelle and Jamie, they just started having so much fun. Here's a little continuity problem. She's wearing gloves in this shot. Oh. But when you look in, there's no glove. It's because oh. it, it hurt the joke. It didn't look yeah, as good. It doesn't so. look as much like um, it so did when I was a kid. So the bagel was just the biggest pain in the ass to figure out wh what we wanted it to look like. Um, me and Ethan spent a long time just like sending things back and forth. Um, ben Brewer sent us a lot of elements and it uh, kind of goes back to something we did with Tenacious D. Um, we did a music video for Tenacious D and this same team of visual effects artists and directors basically helped us. Um, and we just c basically combined. That's my dog puddle. Oh yeah. Here's <laughs> and our production designer's dog's in there and our uh, assistant James's dog. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically, I just took all the elements and, and tried my best to like turn it into something beautiful. And um, I'm really proud of how it turned out. It looks very—it's like a weird mix of um, charming and 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 sacred looking. And kind of, yeah, spiritually yeah. cosmic. Uh, it's funny. Um, our effects team started kind of learning how to do 3D animation while working on the movie. Um, we did all the effects with a team of like seven friends uh, during COVID from our homes, just a lot of Zooming and sharing files. Uh, but there's like a tutorial when you're doing 3D animation where one of the first things you have to make uh, to see if you're learning it properly is to make a donut. Yeah. And uh, that's what we did. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's sort of like a joke. Yeah. How I, hold on. I love this, this shot of Stephanie. Mm -hmm. This was the this was the sequence that she used to audition for the role, and she just killed it. Yeah, but then on the day a, here, such a dumb, so haunting. Yeah, such a dumb line, but she makes it so beautiful. The dumbest little effect right there, but you know it's fun. <laughs> uh, Jason Bramer, uh, head of props, basically. Um, did all these amazing weird like alpha wheelchairs and things mm -hmm. like that anything that lights up he found a system to like although gong gong's wheelchair and later his suit was a collaboration with our other friend uh calder right yeah calder greenwood who did all the uh garbage props on swiss army man um oh did i say jason bramer i meant to say josh bramer yeah josh bramer my bad and there's too many jasons in this movie it's yeah confusing. it was a it was a running joke on set we had daniel 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 dan uh, Josh, Josh, John, Jason John, Varde, Jason, Jason, Jason Hamer, yeah. Jason Combrink, no, John Combrink, John Wong. Yeah. Anyway, John Reed, <laughs> two, two Allisons, a couple Jameses, a couple James Hong. James Hong is just so good at playing villains. Um, yeah. It's it so like fun. he's practiced. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as he came in as this this version of Alpha Gong Gong, we were like, ooh, we're going big trouble in Little China. This is so fun. He's like haunting. And he also, um, he hates being in the background. So um, during this entire sequence, the first couple takes, he was just going back and forth, back and forth through the frame. I might have encouraged this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe you're just like pacing the room in your wheelchair. Yeah, and it was the it, most it, loud, distracting thing. It just ruined every take. Yeah. yeah. It was great. But here you can kind of see him try to sneak into the shot. Yeah, he's like, he's let me get in that shot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Which oh, I yeah. love. I think it's perfect for this shot. 
We gotta find that and see if we can get in the bloopers. There's one where he, he, I like, I think he wheelchaired into the furniture, <laughs> yeah. like over in the corner, and we're like, oh my god, is he okay? Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, Michelle and Key are just taking this scene so seriously, which is, I think, what makes it even funnier when he says these lines. Uh, I'm pretty sure this set was built from for another TV show, and mm -hmm. we just took it. We, we just, just took used it. it. We're so lazy. <laughs> or, I mean, uh, we just didn't have money. This building is just a kind of standing set these days where people just take turns shooting there. Yeah. But it kind of works for the movie that, like, a multiverse film uh, that you'd see the same staircase and the same set in other TV shows and other commercials. Most, I see it all the time. Mostly commercials, yeah. I see a lot of commercials. No. Do not answer. It's one of her tricks. Sir, our readings indicate it's not doping. And then this was part of our pickup shoot, uh, just her in the um, road. But then the interior of the Alpha RV, do we say earlier is a set that we built in the same cafeteria? Mm. Watch these two here while I deal with Jobu. I'm not risking the safety of the Alpha Verse for this. And here comes another one of Key's. Uh, seemingly effortless, incredible character shifts. I'll be back. I promise. No, 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 wait. I just be... Huh? Joy? No, no. Joy's here. No, no, no. This was... Uh, we were shooting this whole sequence um, the day that Dan Kwan's family came to visit. Oh, yeah. My parents were here. And uh, so we have photos of Dan Kwan's mom falling asleep at the monitor because she was bored. <laughs> <laughs> But it was kind of surreal to be shooting the family and to have your family there. Right. In the script writing phase, we called this the family reunion because it's the first time since Whoa. the beginning of yeah. the movie where, where the, everyone's just themselves. Yeah, there's no sci-fi, there's nothing. And it's just them trying to basically catch up with each other. But it was a really lovely chance for Michelle to get to play this really goofy version of herself mm -hmm. talking about Rakakuni. <laughs> this is a little bit what Michelle's actually like. She's playful... She's kind of like bossy, but totally has a sense of humor about herself. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it was so fun shooting this and she did such a good job. Um, that movie. Okay, what are you talking about? Uh, people ask where we came up with Rakakuni. Um, and it was, it was inspired by uh, Alexander Wong, uh, our producer's uh, father, who was a movie buff who would always get movie titles wrong. Um, but he loved movies, so he'd always, you know, call his family and be like, oh, you got to see this movie. Uh, and one of them was Shooky Hooky Shylock. He was like, it's a great uh, detective movie um, with Robert Downey Jr. And uh, that was Sherlock Holmes. And then the other, the best one, the all-timer, apparently, was uh, Outside Good People Shooting, um, which was Good Will Hunting. Um, so we threw a lot of ideas at the wall and and fell in love with Rakakuni for obvious reasons, especially once we decided we were going to bring him back. It's only protocol. It gives her one less universe to access. This scene was interesting to edit because, you know, I think the first, the first time we did the pass, there was no real threat or danger of um, Evelyn killing her daughter. Like, there's no way you would imagine her doing that. Right. And so, you know, with Paul, our editor, we really worked hard on just, like, building up attention, really sh just reminding the audience of what um, what Jobu just did. Mm -hmm. So these kind of flashbacks to the hallway really unlocked something for us uh, that 
pushed things at least just a little bit further towards like <laughs> maybe she's gonna go carpet knife her daughter <laughs> <laughs> um which like you know to get in the weeds of the screenwriting um i think early on we were like uh afraid to lean into this question of like would she uh second guess fighting trying to kill her daughter you know and then there was a moment where you're like wait that's that's the central question like we need to like push it back and forth towards like love and uh and it unlocked a lot of things in the movie there's a screenwriting truism that like if a character has a difficult decision to make uh, then the audience will be invested. Like that's like the most valuable thing you can have in a screenplay is like a protagonist who must make difficult choices. Um, and once you have a difficult choice, just milk it, you know? Uh, the audience will not be bored if they're chewing on a hard question. This sequence is, is funny because um, we wrote so many different versions of uh, what she would do and what universes she would jump to to break her brain um and even up until the edit we were just making up new versions of it mm -hmm. and on the day when we were shooting we kept like trying new ones yeah uh michelle's an incredible dancer a trained dancer uh we had a so i was so proud of her for doing such a bad job of dancing here yeah. <laughs> i think that was just an ad lib from james hong what the fuck are you doing This is one we came up with on the day, I think, right? Yeah, because like, we were like, oh, there's something. What if he has Wayman's voice? Yeah. <laughs> and again, this, this movie was before the pandemic, so we didn't realize how much hand sanitizer would yeah. play into the, our daily lives. Our editor's really proud of that fanny pack shot where she gets the hand sanity out because there's four jump cuts like hidden in the shot to make That's it happen funny. fast. Yeah, this bird one was like originally it was it was like German or gibberish she was saying. Right. And we decided to change it to bird calls. Bird and calls. It's dumb, but it's. But we also spent fun. a long time in the edit reworking what the subtitle there would say and just trying to like tried a lot of different versions of how to make Michelle's choices clearer for this next ten minute sequence of like her deciding to break her brain on purpose. Uh, this is that actor's not very good the dom is great but the other guy i wish we could have recast yeah me too <laughs> me too <laughs> me too <laughs> that's my cameo that's one the... of my cameos when um noah sacco of a24 one of the, the, the guys at a24 watched the first cut he said that might be the best director cameo of all time <laughs> um not for that specific scene but for mm -hmm. the, the f finale you know we uh we're constantly prioritizing with our crew and that right there is the only time you see the headquarters of the Alphaverse. And we kept telling the, the art department, like, don't spend any time or money on it. Like it can just be out of focus Christmas lights. And uh, that's basically what it is. Just some, like we went over to a room in the building and hung up some out of focus Christmas lights. They, uh, the art department did some great production design in this room that we didn't get to feature much, like um, those rations on the left. We kind of thought this guy is like into BDSM and also a bit of a doomsday prepper. Um, <laughs> they're, uh, but they also made some um, fake uh, porno mags that are over on the uh, stool to the left. 
what was it called? Beefy Two Times? Yeah, Beefy Two Times was the name of the magazine. Yeah. But then also, <laughs> Beefy Two Times is what's on the, um, the, on the, pizza, the pizza sign spinner. Yeah, yeah so, so like, oh, it's a very versatile, very versatile name. Yeah. What are you talking about? The only way I can defeat her to save you? Uh, we gave away a lot of these sex toys at the end uh, as oh, like yeah, party favors to a lot of... Oh, yeah, we raffled it to the crew. Yeah, there's one right behind Michelle there you can barely see that was the best one. It's like a yoga ball with a butt plug and a dildo on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, that was the one everyone was fighting over that we just... We picked at random who who won the yoga ball. I love this shot. This shot is so stupid. But what it's was like, it in the script? A symphony of stupid or... I forget what it is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our whole and those are mostly stunt performers, um, and then some just background actors, uh, and everybody just committed a hundred percent to their weird uh, verse jumps. I'm pretty sure you invented this motorized invented a sex feather. Toy. Yeah, I don't think that's a real I thing. I want to start selling it. It's a tickle. It's a vibrating, spinning tickler. Yeah. If you've seen the documentary Tickled. I think it was inspired by that, that which is a about the subculture of people who uh, are find tickling other people erotic. <laughs> but it's about so much more than that. It's a it's a nightmare documentary in a great so way. This is the same exact theater that we used to shoot the um, movie theater scene. Um, mm -hmm. Very economical of us to just and the same do theater it all. we shot the lobby. Yeah, yeah, and the movie musical, The King and I. So this uh, this voice actually isn't Michelle. One the one thing Michelle Yeoh did not want to do of all the everything sing, in the movie yeah. was she's to a... sing. So this is um, Jane. Uh, she's a an incredible musician, but also she has doubled for Michelle in the past. She has like this nice voice that kind of sounds similar. So mm -hmm. um, we uh, Dan found this song on uh, Spotify, and uh, it became a, a reference point for us of like what we wanted this scene to flow like because uh, it has this nice long opening note and we you know Michelle's holding her breath for this whole sequence so we want to start with a ha ah! um, and then in a minute the song comes back upbeat which is how the song you know is actually works in its original version but it's a classic folk song apparently <gasps> this idea was of using the the sign spinner as as a um, superpower was pretty early on. It's one of our first fight styles we came up with. Just using like a riot shield as if you were a sign spinner on a street corner. It just um, made a lot of sense. And actually, it was interesting because um, you know Michelle usually doesn't need to do much rehearsal um, for fight choreography, but for this one she did just because it was such a unique shaped for a weapon that she had never used before. So we we gave her a a cardboard uh, or plastic sign to practice with and she'd <laughs> sign spin in her hotel room. <laughs> but the, um, it's kind of the weapon that it's modeled after is the bow staff. A lot of the, the maneuvers are very similar to what you would do with a bow staff. She killed it. That's Efka, one of our stunt performers there, who just, uh, that's one of his go-to moves is the backflip to his belly. Um, 
I love this this one stunt right here, stunt right here, but Kira just smashing into the... Yeah, and the edit there, the way that flows is actually uh, thanks to Luke Lynch, who was like a consulting editor. Uh, he and Paul, our editor, have a company together, Parallax, and they just love to kind of react to each other's work and, and every once in a while play. And Luke is just a uh, kung fu super fan, so he was like, can I please just play around with some of the fight scenes? Yeah. And so his he'd come in and have a unique perspective, and uh, it was so fun to kind of see what he had come up with. I will say that this fight scene was really hard to edit together compared to all the other ones because this is the only one where we didn't shot list um, fully um, because we just ran out of time. And, so, and also, I I campaigned for us to shoot it messy, you know, like more shaky cam, and uh, not worry about uh, careful shot composition and. Uh, yeah, it stressed out Larkin and Dan, but but we were constantly trying to make sure that each fight had its own uh, texture and energy, so it wasn't the same thing over and over. Um, but uh, Jenny really sold it with her screams and yelps and <laughs> intense energy. We added a little tawny bark after she hits the wall to be like, that dog's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing Harry Shum Jr. who just can mime fake vegetable cutting like no one. Mm -hmm. um, and then all the vegetables were added in by our friend Jeff Desum, who did the, both of these visual effects. Uh, but he did it without any CG. It's all just like painting in After Effects. He's like, he, he used to be a painter, so he, he does visual effects very differently. Um, so this is Andy, once again, our choreographer. He's coming in with with this nice drum fight. The idea was to try to do a an extra rhythmic fight and that his character might be a, a drummer in another universe, you know? So we uh, worked with Ian, our, one of our composers, to create a score that really matched the tempo of the fight and yeah, Ian, Ian is this incredible drummer, um, yeah. and he drums for a lot of different musicians, but he's really next level. So this moment we always knew we wanted to find a home for, which is basically a fight sequence in which two people are fighting over something that will give them a uh, verse jumping launch pad. Um, and uh, we were trying to come up with like the best thing to fight over, and... Um, you know, naturally, our stupid perverted brains went there. Went to uh, a fighting over something to put in your butt. Um, but it's you know it's 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 playing on the the concepts of like the, the classic fight over two people are trying to get the weapon. Yeah, they're trying to get the gun or whatever. But it's totally um, flipped on its head. And like the fact that most of this is done in one shot like this is really just it's just fun to see people who are so physically able to to perform. Mm -hmm. Um, this scene was like three pages in the script and is like 10 minutes in the final product uh, for a lot of reasons. But one of them is we realized that having uh, Steph and Key there reacting and narrating and discussing would just give the audience kind of a, a really helpful kind of commentary for what to focus on. Uh, but it was a last minute addition. fought really hard to make that uh, not 
a silly sound effect, just 100% a badass sound effect when he lands, so it's all in your head, you know, how upsetting it is. Um, it's like a sword sheath sound that we pitch down a lot to mix mm -hmm. with like a, a bass thump. A big bass thump. Uh, but yeah, Andy and Brian were brought on as choreographers, and then we told them we wrote a scene specifically for you guys, and they were so flattered and excited. And then we told them, uh, you're two guys who fight Michelle Yeoh while, while you have butt plugs in. And uh, they seemed to get visibly a little less excited <laughs> when we first told them. <laughs> but they, uh, they gave it 110%, as you're about to see. Yeah. I Andy's love... known for, like, uh, acrobatic kick kicks and whatnot. Like, like all of this done is, is done without wires. It's just them. They can actually perform these things on their own. It's kind of yeah. incredible. So this is where her brain is breaking, where you really get to see her fracturing across a bunch of different universes. But we have a... There's a very interesting collaboration to work out how to choreograph the fights. And... Um, They'd come in with like so many incredible ideas, but Dan and I a lot of times would have really strong opinions on how to start and end the fights. Um, so that was one, for example, where we were just really struggling and and then Dan and I kind of came up with that two guys mid-air grab both trophies at the same time thing, just trying to find an efficient way to wrap it up. Um, really proud of how it turned out. This is another thing early on that we came up with, just like the idea of someone working out their pinkies every day for their, their whole lives um, and how powerful they would be. Uh, this is another Jason Hamer effect, this hand. He built a giant veiny right. hand that could inflate and flex. It's like the uh, Ren and Stimpy gross-ups or whatever, the, the close-ups that are really grotesque. Oh, right, the gross-ups, totally. Yeah. It's not about being photorealistic, it's about like capturing the energy. Uh, we had two ideas for how this fight would end. It was either this pinky fight or the other one that I was, one of my favorite universes was she jumps to a universe where her daughter is like trapped under a car or something and she gets like that mom strength that her people talk about. And so she'd be like, my daughter! And then just hulk out and just have super strength the way, you know, moms have when they need to rescue their kids. Uh, but we, yeah, we went with super pinkies. <laughs> Some of you who grew up on Super Smash Brothers probably recognize the uh, inspiration to that pinky sound when he gets a uh, home run batted up into the air. And that's pretty much a practical effect, just a wire pull where yeah. Efka, again, we launched him 25 feet up in the air and then he landed on a big airbag. I'm going to do it. I am going to defeat the Joe Butabagi. Hey. You got her name right. <laughs> we always knew we didn't want to... We were afraid that on our budget and with our time, we'd, we'd make fight scenes that just paled in comparison to what Hollywood does with ten times more money or what uh, Hong Kong action films do with ten times as much time. Uh, so we tried to, as much as possible, set aside enough time to shoot it but also spend tons of time in prep to get our act together so that we could make fights we'd be proud of um and uh it was hard 
it's very hard. Some of the most stressful stuff is trying to pull off, make our days when we're doing that big fight scene we just watched. When Wayman says he's grateful for Chance to for giving them this opportunity to to hang out, it's um it's like a reference to um, Andrian's uh, letter to Carl Sagan, just pr like almost treating Chance like some sort of god who graced them with mm. the uh, ability to hang out with each other, to to connect through the cosmos or whatever. Cool. There's not a lot of science you know, in the finished movie, but we definitely love talking about science and reading kind of pop science stuff uh, and uh, really got a kick out of reading about the multiverse and kind of like different cosmic theories and stuff uh, while writing this and, bef and also before writing this. Um, I think it just informed the, the tone, you know, but um, uh, we weren't able to sneak in a whole deleted sequence about the slit scan exper experiment that uh or you mean the double slit the double slit experiment, experiment. Yeah. slit scan is a visual effects technique right <laughs> <laughs> our brains are mush our brains are mush we've literally been talking for uh, days and days and days about this movie yeah but luckily the movie's over now the movie's you know? over thank she's God. dead so and we can go I, home i would just like to thank a24 um i'd like to thank you guys for buying uh, or renting our movie. Um, we really hope this uh, was a rewarding commentary. Um, and maybe we'll see you again someday, somewhere out there. And all that noise. It's very funny. It's so mean to hear the applause, or to, to like make people applause in theaters, and then for <laughs> them to be like embarrassed about the applause. And then be like, oh, I got I'm pranked. So, I'm so sorry. So if you just applauded at home, fuck you, we gotcha. <laughs> it was a joke. It's not over. To me, this is when the movie really begins, because it's like... Now you don't know what to expect. You now you're just... You're on, a, yeah, you're in no man's land. Uh, originally in the script, there was a the entire credits were going to roll and all of what you're watching now would happen like picture in picture, kind of like a blooper reel from a Jackie Chan movie. Um, and so this running through the multiverse, we wrote a whole nine page version of it because we were like, the credits might be like eight or nine minutes. And um, we, uh, we backed away from quite so much <laughs> meta-ness, which I'm glad because just living in these worlds is so rewarding. This is the great Randy Newman, voice in Rakakuni. While nobody's uh, looking. Yet once again, Jason Hamer and, and Hero, they, they built this incredible puppet. Culinarily. That I'm was saying while you talk. That was attached to a wig that actually had hair that was on like stretchy pulley system kind of thing. It's really Yeah, so incredible. there's no visual effects on any of this. And it was yeah. it was too much fun to do. Get her. Get her. I'm begging you. No, 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 please. Uh, so, Kelsey Ephraim, our, our set decorator, fell in love with this universe and we told her to go bare minimum with with the set design set decoration and she just and this was one of those fights where she was like please give me some extra time to uh to decorate make, the I hot dog apartment i want everything like, to be hot dog colors pink yeah. and brown and bunny you know ketchup mm -hmm. and mustard lots of cats yeah she was like these 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 ladies love their cats <laughs> so it's all cat cat artwork and hot dog colors <laughs> Uh, it was so fun to walk onto that set.
This is our last day of shooting. Our only full night shoot. It was mm -hmm. so cold and rainy. And it was right before, it was right as uh, people were realizing COVID was going to become a problem. It was a very strange night. Yeah. Luckily, we were outdoors, you know. Which for, is hard yeah, to, for half of it. It's hard to spread. Because we were also indoors for we, half of it. No, we were in the limousine is all. Oh. It was just limousine and, and alley. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, and now we're back to that opening shot, which is another reason we knew it would be worth designing the set around it was because we would return to it again and again. This is her little confirmation that she is now capable of being in multiple places. And uh, this is where the audience groans because like, they're like, no. why are you doing this? I had someone actually say they thought there was going to be five parts. And so they're like, no. <laughs> five? Oh, my God. Yeah. You still haven't seen Worst Person in the World. but Right, uh, they do that. They, they, the movie starts and it's like, a movie in 12 parts with a prologue and an epilogue. And you're like, what? <laughs> and then somehow it works and it creates this whole meta narrative that just makes you lean forward and just yeah. get fascinated with the pieces of it. Yeah, um, too bad we failed at that. Yeah. I love this little this interaction between the two of them is so mm -hmm. good. And her head drop. So fun. Hey Becky. Mm -hmm. Can you go help my Becky is my mom's name and also one of my best friend's name. Uh we're not very good at naming characters. We yeah. just name them after people we know. <laughs> Thanks, babe. We actually went into a dryer for that shot. Mm -hmm. And then this is like just a public park in Los Angeles with a ton of fog. <laughs> um, this is a Ben Brewer shot where he basically tried to squeeze everything into this uh, <laughs> moment. Mm -hmm. I had, I've had people call us out and say, I saw the Oscar, the Oscar trophy in her hand for one frame. Which is, which is something we did not ask for. That was uh, that was a Ben Brewer joke. That this he is our friend Danny Madden who animated this. He's got like such an energetic animation style, and we got really excited about collaborating with him on it. And this is in Larkin's backyard, and that's uh, Larkin's son Gus Gus dressed up as a little dinosaur boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love this uh, piece of score. It, it feels like almost Dan Deacony. Mm. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the one who's going to defeat you. <laughs> okay. I love all these standoffs between the two of them as if there's going to be a fight. And every single time, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Quan just loves to disappoint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Stephanie's performance here is so funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect this scene to be the one where we get to be like the, where Jobu gets her silliest. Just like her in a normal outfit, just fucking around. <laughs> la la la. Yeah, one of our instructions to her sometimes would be, um, Jobu thinks this movie is dumb and is trying to ruin it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, we'd, we'd just see what Stephanie's brain would come up and with. And sometimes she'd be embarrassed with what she did because she loved the movie and loved what it was about. And she just, like, would be like, oh, I don't like that that's in me. I don't like that I did that. Um, but we were like, that's, that means you're on to something, you know? Because Jobu is kind of the 
the postmodern voice in the back of our heads that like can't take anything seriously. There was actually a sound artifact in the microphone on the onset audio there. Right, that we just kept. I just kept it, and then I buried it with some more static. I don't static. think it was an artifact. I think it was the multiverse. Oh, yeah, of course. I think leaking. This I think is, your clay pot was This leaking. is another Jason Kisvarde and Jonathan Combrink collab, that amazing couch, couch mm -hmm. sink. Mixed with, uh, Mixed Jeff, with Jeff Dess. I'm doing the visual effect for yeah. like, the shoe flying, flipping around in the air as a mixture of visual effects and practical stuff. Um, this is a nice opportunity to talk about our incredible looks, looks departments. Oh you my know, gosh. the costume, makeup, hair. We knew that we wanted to have like a really grounded, raw, naturalistic base layer for the family. So that then as we go into further and further multiversal corners, we could push the limits of how stylized to go. And they went hard on Jobu here. Uh, Anissa brought us the idea of like a bagel hairdo. Um, she outdid herself. And then, uh, and then Michelle, Michelle on the makeup team, she, she brought the idea of like pearls on the face. And then, uh, and then Shirley Carada's costume team, I think they, they found some of these costume elements and then they built other things to kind of flesh it out. Mm -hmm. But like that collar, it's just so the fun. The collar reminds me of... Um, Alice in Wonderland, the uh, the rabbit who's yeah. running around with the clock in his pocket. And there's something so reverent about this giant cathedral and about this outfit, and it, I think, makes a fun uh, contrast with what she's saying, which is, who gives a shit? Nothing matters. And if you're a Beyonce fan, I'm pretty sure they shot in this location for one of her uh, long-form music video features. So mm -hmm. you know, once again, our... I can't remember which song. <laughs> I don't remember what song either. But yeah. It's another our location you'll see often. In a lot of other places, yeah. The face shield. I was out to dinner with a friend uh, while we shot the movie, and we drove. We were driving downtown, and I was like, whoa, someone's shooting a big movie tomorrow because there were all these trucks parked like on the street. And then I went past this church, and I was like, oh, that's my movie. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, it was my own movie. Can't believe we get to make movies, dude. So crazy we got to make this. So this is one of the hardest scenes in the edit. It took, took us a long time to find the right arrangement, because it's, mm -hmm. it's meant to be this montage that just allows Evelyn to see how pointless it all is and to really see her sit in mm -hmm. nihilism in a comfortable way which you know yeah. is, I think is at scary. first we thought it needed to be more disorienting in order to kind of like uh, get you to where she is and eventually we found like no making it patient and melancholy is is in context so much better you know because you've we've we've barraged yeah. the audience enough at this point and so like this kind of this score totally unlocked it to just be like, oh, I'm really. It's nice and gentle, actually. I'm really proud of this little swirl. This is another collab with the whole team. Bagel swirl. Um, there's a version of this movie where the first half is the Matrix and the second half fully is Magnolia. Um, this this sequence is like a hint towards that, but it proved to be too impossible to write that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that version we would spend even more time in the other universes and yeah. flesh out their characters and. Uh, it does have elements of that and elements of like Cloud Atlas, you know, 
just the kind of magic of match cuts and music. Um, there's a couple sequences in Cloud Atlas that just like sing. Or the fountain. There's so much improv from this uh, hot dog universe sequence that's coming up mm -hmm. that we couldn't use just because of how quickly everything had to be cut together. Yeah, but they would just live in that scene and they were just so sweet and it was so hard to say cut because just uh, Jamie is a great improviser and the two of them had too much fun together. I remember we were on a writer's retreat when we decided they needed to fall in love in another universe so that mm -hmm. you could know what you were rooting for in some ways. And um, it was a really fun discovery. Um, and then later later down the line, we're like, what if it looked like Wong Kar Wai <laughs> yeah. shot that that scene? Much later. Sequence. Yeah. But yeah, that we, we found a few of those lines of dialogue that happened there in the alleyway early on, and they became like flags and that we constantly chased because like, oh, there's an emotional... It's so exciting that the alternate universes are going to take us somewhere really emotionally resonant that'll color everything else. Mm -hmm. um, we always try to make sure we get there somehow. No more running. There's Tim Ulick, the cop behind yeah. Jamie. He's he the like, stunt coordinator. He's like, oh, I'll be the cop on that day. And we didn't realize just how heavily featured he'd be. He's in the background of like a hundred shots. <laughs> so this is when she accidentally does the thing that Jobu does to all of the other people where she touches them and just sees them mm -hmm. in every iteration. Right, yeah, right here. Yeah, and we told the, on the days when we would shoot things like this, we would just run to the props department and be like, bring us some props, we're gonna do some random things. <laughs> uh, so there's an ice cream treat in his mouth right there. That was because my partner Steph showed up with ice cream treats and I was like, quick, bring one over, we'll shove it in Wayman's mouth. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was impossible to plan everything on this movie, and we'd constantly be like, uh, don't prioritize these things. We'll figure it out. Prioritize. Yeah, just collaborating with the universe. Just yeah. seeing what the universe brings we'll us. See what, we'll see what's around. Um, just make sure we have the right number of headsets and that they light up and change colors. And like, things like that mattered so much more than, you know, what, what's in the flashing sequences. This is one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. Just <laughs> Rakakuni so sad and... This is my, one of my other favorites. So sad. Here are the papers. Oh, oh, officer! We uh, we shot four night shoots in a row on Swiss Army Man, and it and we lost our minds, and everybody got sick, and we swore we'd never do it again. Uh, so we were very careful about how to plan to not have to shoot all night and. Um, just a scheduling anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd shoot everything in the back of the laundromat facing away from the windows, you know, with just blacked out windows. And then as the sunset, turn back and get the rest of the scene. And so I think it helps. Is... Mor the morale never dipped mm -hmm, too mm -hmm. low on this movie. <laughs> so this sequence is one of the, the first images that came to mind when we were writing, when we were like, oh, this would be cool. What if we went to too many universes? What if we sustained a frame like a cut every single frame mm -hmm. for like a significant amount of time. Yeah, what if the main character gave up on cause and effect and logic and meaning yeah, and so the audience did too? Is, and yeah, then like, this what? is like, it's 
the 2001 tripping sequence. It's the Vertigo shot. It's, Our VFX yeah. team just they created whatever they wanted. We had Michelle on green screen, and they threw some very strange things into that uh, Dropbox folder. Uh, just uh, promise me you will not pause on any of don't them. Don't pause, please, guys. They're so it, some of the some of the effects are so funny. They're absolutely They're so gonna bad. pause. Yeah. Um, I love the reflection of the rock in the laundry machine. Just want to shout out. I was out like, to we him. don't have to do that. And then Dan was like, Zach, can you do it? And then Zach Stoltz did it, right? Yeah, Zach Stoltz yeah. did that. Oh, so this is probably one of our favorite scenes in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. um, we are such maximalist directors, and we just thrive on chaos. And we knew that <laughs> thrive we, on chaos. We, we knew that the audience was going to be tired, and so that we came up with this, this sequence, and it turned out so wonderful um this and is, actually uh, it was michelle yo's idea that there would be only be text no voices she yeah was like, we were like i think there's gonna be voiceover and she was like why no it should just be subtitles uh she, she was, was right. So right it's like a i think she described it as a zen garden kind of feeling um it's funny after we um we did the q a with david ehrlich um the indie wire uh critic and uh, he said that one of his favorite children's book authors is John Klassen, um, who did these books um, like I Want My Hat Back or This Is Not My Hat. They're these amazing children's books. And he said that while watching this, he thought of John Klassen's work, um, which is uh, it's great because John Klassen is a friend of mine. And he uh, <laughs> also one of your yeah heroes and one of my heroes and was absolutely a reference. Yes. So he was he was right. Mm -hmm. um, this was one of the hardest shooting days. It was like a over 110, maybe 115 degrees, and we were just we melting. We were in the Anza Borrego State Park, National yeah, Park? National Park. And uh -huh. it was uh, it was intense. Mm -hmm. When the sun was setting, it started to cool down, and we were like, thank God, it's it's cooling down. And we looked mm -hmm. at the, the temperature, and it was 108 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we weren't sure if this scene would be would work you know like if the audience would get bored and so we had our incredible cinematographer friend jess dunlap come back on another day and shoot these time-lapse shots so mm. that the rocks could be talking as the sun set and like the shadows danced across the sand mm. uh and then we put it in the edit and we're like oh no we don't need it it's too much oh, it's too high that energy reminds me we should put that in the behind like or the deleted scenes at one point like the alt cut just because it's it is beautiful it's so beautiful it's really interesting um and he's incredible at a lot of things but his time lapse work is like especially unique and stunning uh he wanted to destroy everything. a lot of this stuff was rewritten in in the edit just because we were trying to figure out the balance of how much we wanted to um motivate the bagel and where it came from and um it became really clear that turning the bagel into a device of self-destruction versus a, a doomsday device was such a crucial thing to hit home so yeah a lot of this was rewritten in it's, with adr yeah it's like um a, a screenwriting lesson i guess is that like you have to learn sometimes to like when you get a note uh to to investigate if there's a note behind that note that you agree with more, you know, um, and not always take the note, but also don't just like throw it away if you disagree. And we kept getting questions about the Alphaverse plan or how to stop the bagel and, and exactly how the bagel works. And we were like, I don't want to explain that. Um, and what we realized was that we needed to make the emotional stakes like 
Jobu and Evelyn's relationship to the bagel even clearer, and then all would be forgiven, you know? Um, and that was kind of what finally cracked it for us, and what we felt was the right solution to the note was like, okay, we won't explain the bagel, but we'll explain what Joy, why Joy built it and what she wants to do with it more clearly. This is where Key really gets to shine, break our frickin' hearts. Uh, when we were shooting a lot of this stuff, Joy, uh, Steph Shu and Dan decided to sneak Steph into the background of as many shots as possible, even if it didn't make sense for continuity. So in the montage that we just watched, uh, you can go back and hunt for Jobu, just walking through the background of shots all the time. This is another scene that, you know, became a, a uh, milestone for the script and, you know, became the moment when we realized we were really excited to make this action movie. It, you know, an action movie that's all about empathy in the end was such a interesting challenge. And, um, yeah, writing this, this very funny, poetic monologue about sweetness being intercut with, um, you know, Wayman's pleading to, you know, people who are fighting him to, to calm down. It was, um, it was a really, really great, great way for us to um, begin unlocking that, yeah, that story. Because it kind of, in some ways, was birthed out of our discomfort with the fact that we love action movies, but um, are pacifists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're like, how do you reconcile that? How can we make a kung fu movie? And when... Um, I'm not a fighter myself. Um, and the, and the character of Wayman kind of unlocked that and it became such an exciting opportunity to investigate the different ways you can try to fight for what you believe in. I remember this day was, I mean, all these days were just super heavy in an interesting way because the movie is so goofy and silly and to kind of, then sink into these really heavy moments was um, it was great because the whole crew was on the same frequency, so everyone was ri was riding with us, and it was um, we did warm up exercises a lot of times to kind of build group morale, and right. it's kind of selfish. We like to wake ourselves up in the morning, but right. um, I think this day was the day that Dan did a guided meditation as the warm up exercise. Right? Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And so everyone sat down in this room, and Dan just walked everyone through uh, like a uh, a guided meditation about love and what do you love and make that imagine that love as a glowing orb and it was uh it was powerful a lot of people afterwards were like oh my god that was so special <laughs> and it, it like set the tone of the day it was so yeah. nice but other days of the warm-up exercises couldn't have been stupider <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is um Stephanie Shu's least favorite shot in the movie yeah she ruins she's like I don't want to ruin that moment the moment's yeah. so sweet why do I do that and then this next thing was one of the first scenes I knew I wanted to tackle in the edit um, just because if it didn't work I, you know the rest of the movie wouldn't work mm -hmm. so this was like right this was like two or three months into the pandemic and everyone was kind of lost and confused and I was just like watching these two amazing actors um, give us just beautiful performances and, and then just like, like 
crying. I was just crying a bunch while, while I was cutting this yeah, entire sequence. We just, I just got a text message that was like, what the hell? I'm crying while editing. It's never happened to me before. Yeah. And so then it kind of hyped up this scene. And then the first time I watched it, I recorded my face. I don't know if I ever showed you this. Oh, I didn't know that. I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is going to fuck me up. Interesting. And so I have, yeah, I have a, <laughs> a quick time video of me crying while watching this. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I texted Key and Michelle like after afterwards, being like, "You guys are incredible. You gifted gifted us yeah. these incredible performances." Mm -hmm. um, and especially this moment right here, when this line where he says, um, "The laundry and taxes life line." I knew I like I wanted to like. I wanted to just hold on it for a little bit longer without anything, any pomp and circumstance, no swell in the music, just really simple. You got to watch him walk away and then just hit them with uh, Michelle's reaction shot, which mm -hmm. is just so filled with complexity. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those, we tried to pre-edit a lot in our heads um, and on the script so we wouldn't overshoot, but this is a sequence that we just discovered we had to discover in the oh, edit. this shot so larkin was operating it and halfway through the shot he realized he was missing the emotion and he so he like, just oh my god this is important. he just started to run in so he, he this just is pushed real in. yeah he just like just like uh, came in like wait, that wait, wait, wait. i was Let like me this move is in. Uh, i was like this is fun i'm gonna keep it yeah the push-in wasn't part of the plan it was just him being like wait i need a close-up of this this we can't recreate this yeah i'm getting emotional watching it right now <laughs> Uh, lame, lame, <laughs> baby. <sighs> no, it's Michelle. it's beautiful. This moment where she—it's because, like I said, this whole movie is about people not being able to see each other because of all the chaos. And that one mm -hmm. shot of her in the laundromat is her fully taking in her husband. Right. It's, it's such she doesn't a even say beautiful. anything for that whole sequence. No. And here's K-pop Jobu ruining the moment ruin again. Our movie again. <laughs> what a butthead. Yeah. I love this outfit with the teddy bears. So stupid. And again, Anissa was like, what if we put Jobu like in cursive on her forehead using the hair? Like, sure. <laughs> You're like, go for it. Uh, when we were shooting this at times, I was like, is this too stupid? I mean, uh, look at yeah, look, look, look at their weapons back there. Like it's like pencils. One of them has pencils <laughs> as Wolverine claws. And then like uh, some scissors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one guy has a shotgun, but, you know. Yeah, one again, guy's got a shotgun. But guns then, like, are so boring. Uh, there's an actual actor named Waymond uh, back there who you see in a lot of shots. Who's, his weapon is a keyboard. He's just holding. I don't know what he's going to do with it. It's like a <laughs> keyboard necklace. Um, um, this, this a lot little of crew cameos up there. Oh, yeah. Getting sucked in. That's our first AD. It's Li Jing again, and then. Uh, I don't remember this guy's name. I don't know. He, he was, was an idiot. the worst. We had to kick him yeah. off set. As Dan Kwan's cameo number three or four, we <laughs> yeah. skipped out. We missed some other cameos. I know. Yeah. There's the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> this is our silly Naruto run in the background. Mm -hmm. That's so a little... that's a double, and that's real Michelle. Yeah, it's kind of a. So there's no effects. What, what do they call it? A te Texas switch or whatever. That sounds real. I don't remember. Uh oh, people are gonna make fun of me. I yeah. got it wrong. This was uh, one of the hardest sequences to shoot because we, uh, the whole crew just would take turns picking up paper after each shot. Literally everyone on their hands and knees after every shot. We just had buckets and buckets of 
tax paperwork to throw in the air. Yeah, that um, love meditation that we talked about is really interesting because it becomes a really great structure um, guide for this sequence. Because the idea of it is like you think of the thing or the person you love the most, then you let that grow and touch your family and friend, friends, and then you let that love grow and touch your neighbors or your enemies or strangers, and then you keep letting that love grow until you touch the whole world with this, you know, the feeling of mm -hmm. your deepest love or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, like, this is the moment where she finally s realizes. Where did you learn that love meditation? I read it just in a book once. You know, cause, yeah. Was it your mindfulness book from years ago? No, no, not that one, but, you know. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. It's a Wherever You Go, There You Are, which is a, that was the first book that introduced me to mindfulness. Um, so those feet are uh, more Jason Hamer prosthetics. Uh, so we had a pianist with her hands shoved into these fake feet so that we could play the actual Claire de Lute notes. <laughs> I, yeah, I saw someone. A lot actually, of time and like money. A, I saw a musician actually call it out. I was like, wow, good attention to detail. Those yeah. are the right notes. They're actually <laughs> playing it, man. <laughs> Once again, Kelsey Elf Ephraim's uh, set deck. Look, yeah, look at like those, those giant gloves those on the left. Stupid gloves. That foot rub was uh, another aha moment. Mm -hmm. A foot wiping away a tear. Yeah, so sweet. There's that, a whole other sequence where she uses her feet to unbutton her blouse and stuff, yeah. but we were like, yeah, it was, we yeah. were like, oh, we actually don't need it, you know? Gotta keep it simple. I feel nothing is something that that was from an older version of the of the script where, where a lot all of all the people with bagels drawn on their heads uh, are they're the nihilists and they have like a doctrine yeah, tenets of... to their religion of no emotion, uh, nothing matters. I feel nothing, etc. There's nothing more dangerous than the person who believes they are right. Yeah, and all of that. Yeah, that's all gone. Our dumb, boring gunshots. Guns. And then this is our like obvious um, evolution of the Matrix moment. Oh, right, I guess something like that. <laughs> ever ever heard of the Matrix? <laughs> right, I keep meaning to watch that. Yeah, for the fiftieth time. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had this idea of turning a bullet into a googly eye, and then reverse engineered all the googly eyes throughout the film, knowing that like now we had a metaphorical image that represented. Empathy fighting. This was always called the empathy fight, this finale. Yeah, the stupidest thing being the, this moment of enlightenment, this mm -hmm. third eye opening. <laughs> I love James Hong here. So stupid. That's like him channeling his hatred towards us. Yeah, no, that's what I'm just kidding. Yeah, that was just him improv. That <laughs> just was just making him fun takes. of us. Yeah, yeah. it's like, this is so like... dumb. <laughs> Um, some people think this is stop motion, but it's actually just us with rocks and sticks. Yeah. And then we just remove the sticks. We'll put later. some BTS out there where it's just me with sunglasses on shoving a stick with a shoving a rock with a stick. So this moment of her looking up the stairs is meant to mirror the moment when she sees Waymond in the movie theater up the stairs. It's the same exact song, and it's again it's her seeing her love but something then, to love in then, everyone exactly there's always something to love exactly yeah 
And then here's our Grandmaster um, slow motion insert fight sequence that um, we were so excited to do. It's a lot of like inserts and slow motion and, and bizarre sound design. Yeah. I <laughs> love that reaction from, from Kara. Yeah. And there's the Biff Whiff back at it again. Moink. So yeah, this is just a sequence where someone who has all the power in the world uses it not to destroy you, but to understand you, to mm. see the multitude. When we were editing this, Dan Kwan got carried away and just started pulling stock footage and clips from YouTube, and we were like, but we don't have that footage. But there was something so freeing about like... Like this stuff, uh, yeah. <laughs> not limiting ourselves while editing, and then we went back and shot more pickups and stuff, because it just helped connect the dots with certain things like that uh, x-ray. I love this little match cut right here where it just push into the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and but just a reminder, this is uh, Noah Sacco's great, the greatest uh, director cameo in all of cinema's history. Uh, it was so nerve wracking on set. Uh, just trying to like be, be like, what's the balance of professionalism and also like trying to, you know, uh, get my character right. <laughs> um, but Michelle got a kick out of uh, whipping me because we had tortured her so much for, you know, weeks and weeks at that point that she got to be the boss for a second. <laughs> I don't know. I think she was always the boss all along. She was. This, this is true. This is another instance where we just didn't get the shots we needed, and so I just used stock footage for the for all those whip stuff, whip, and whip then tugs. we went and did pickup shots of yeah, whips. But it worked because that's what the movie, that's the language that we had created. It's like you can cut away to anything. So we, we uh, cheated a lot. Mm -hmm. This is uh, Harry Shum finally getting to fight Michelle. Um, we have a very extended monologue here where Harry just goes on and on about how sad he is that Kakuni's out there, and we couldn't fit it all in, but... There's some real gems in there. Yeah. It was really funny. It was one of the few times that Michelle actually broke. She, like, from laughing. She mm -hmm. <laughs> Some stuff that Harry said was really funny. Maybe. Delete scene. We'll see. Um, and this is another moment where we were like, Aha! What if Michelle rides Harry's head? This is stupid, but then what if we then turn that into a fight scene? Um, this stuff, Tim Ulick was, or again, Stunt Corner was like, we have to put them up on wires. We have to go full, fully um, into it so that they can have fun. And we were like, I don't know if we have the time or money, but uh, Colin, our rigger, found a way to uh, make it possible so we could actually just shoot all this practically with some wire removal. I will say that that little section right there is probably some of my favorite uh, Andre 3000 flute playing. Yeah. It's so good. It just, feels, it just feels so alive and so exciting. Um, this bagel shot was the first um, bagel shot that I worked on where I was like, oh, I think, I think I'm... I think we figured it out. I think I'm starting to understand what this should look like at the end. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of graphical, like a graphic novel, but at the same time has some energy. So again, it's not photorealistic. It's not meant to be... Um, we tried to make something that wouldn't compete with uh, 
you know, two hundred million dollar science fiction epics. Yeah, um, it was a, its own thing. Goes like a little bit of Ghostbusters, a little bit of motion graphics, a little bit of just like music video. Yeah, simplicity. Uh, I love this jumbled Jobu. We call it um, the jumbled Jobu look, where they basically. No, every everyone on on that team, from Michelle to Anissa and Shirley, they all just had so much fun just creating the most weird uh, version of Jobu. It's kind of like yeah. at the end of but a, the makeup in particular was yeah. the, the the thing that pulled it all together for me. It was yeah. Like, oh my God, what a fun thing! Like yeah. modernist art on her face. Um, and this uh, this moment with James Hong, it's like one of the first times I really, I, f I feel like I can remember seeing him. Just really sit in a character and feel. And get to go somewhere really emotional. Yeah, and he was so good. Um, I just I know you know he's 93 now, but I hope he gets many more roles like this where he mm -hmm. just gets to show, you know, the depth of his his of his of his abilities. This speech uh, we realized while we were translating uh, into Chinese that. Uh, you know, we came up with this inner logic of the movie where uh, Gong Gong's character is, speaks Cantonese, uh, but the family generally speaks Mandarin, um, but Joy is bad at Chinese in general. And so this speech, we realized we needed to start in Cantonese, switch to Mandarin as she talks to her husband, switch to English as she talks to her daughter. Uh, and it became such an exciting monologue to kind of like bring the language barriers of the movie full circle. But it was hard, and we couldn't have done it without Echo Kwan, our translator. Look at that face. Yeah. Look at that look. This was such a beast for the composers, too, because this is basically one evolving piece of music for 12 or 13 minutes straight. Um, and we, when we rough cut it, it was just too all over the place. And they helped glue it together with kind of a consistent uh, melodic identity. And this is their final standoff. Um, finally, they get to fight. I always get, like, I love uh, the rage there from the daughter, and then this mm -hmm. moment where she just opens the arms. It's it's a classic thing that a lot of kung fu movies do. It's like the, the yin versus the yang, the, the mm -hmm. closed fist versus the open palm. But This is all one shot on green screen with pre-programmed lighting because uh, we knew what the backgrounds were going to be. It was pretty ambitious. <laughs> Proud of how it turned out. All these bagel shots, man. The team did such a good job creating uh, that the stakes, the high stakes quality. Definitely of, the most ambitious part yeah. of the whole visual effects, you know. This is like a joke we added later on. Uh, to cut the music out. Yeah. The composer was like, what did you do? The music cuts out. Uh, <laughs> we, we figured that out later in the edit after they'd scored it.
there's a this is, there's a scene in the Grandmaster next to a train that we uh, were inspired by with lots of this. Yeah, P pushing her head towards the dangerous thing that's swirling. And then this is sort of the my name is Neo moment. I am your mother. And this was like another aha moment. Uh, just once we introduced the bagel and then we're like, we're trying to pull her away from the bagel and then the whole family pulling her. We were like, great. This, this giant fight scene lands somewhere coherent, you know? Which the staircase also gave us a way to simplify and focus the fight, yeah. which was a discovery when we uh, found the location. Uh, it wasn't written to be on a staircase until we went to Simi Valley and found that spot. I love that this moment where she says, I'm tired. Because... That's what the audience is thinking. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired. Just, thank you for cutting Are you the music tired right out. Now, Dan? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired. tired. <laughs> um, um, we knew that this was like, you know, the emotional climax of the film, and um, this and is some of the only handheld in the whole movie. Some of the only handheld, and like. Uh, I'm. I always have a real fear when you go to a scene like this that like the actors are gonna go there, for some angles, and then, not be able to get back there once you're moving on to their other coverage. Um, so we designed it to be something we would rehearse and then just shoot this entire scene in one long handheld setup so that they wouldn't have to break it down into too many pieces. Yeah. So we did a, uh, Ari, our camera operator, had his work cut out for him, and we knew, like, we're not going to get many takes of this, like, because this is an emotionally intense scene. And But actually, um, Larkin took over for these... The these last few shots, right? I think, yeah, I think they traded off. Yeah. I think it was a mix, maybe. I love the shot. The shot of the rock in slow motion looking down is oh just, my gosh. it's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. Um, but I think it really paid off just to <laughs> pre-light this whole parking lot. And that moment when she, uh, the tear falls on her face mm -hmm. in that moment, that was actually after we said cut. And we're like, oh, right. why, why isn't she uh, cutting? And like, it's because she knew a tear was falling. Yeah. She was like, you don't want to cut, guys. Yeah. I'm not going to cut. I'm not breaking character. Um, this is our end of movie rom-com, um, you know, declaration of, of, of love where you neg them first. And Way then to you, ruin it. Yeah. You <laughs> neg them and then you, you pull them in with the, yeah. with the, you, you're the worst. You smell bad. And I exactly, love you so yeah, It's the Harry met Sally moment. For them. <laughs> but I, th I think something that I'm realizing, um, you know, now that more Asian Americans have watched this is like how profound it is to allow, um, our parents, you know, an image of themselves fully expressing themselves, because mm. um, that's just not normally what uh, the family dynamic ever is. So it's like these characters had to go through hell and back just to be able to have a traditional Hollywood ending or mm -hmm. a traditional um, emotion fest mm -hmm. that usually we don't get to see in real life. Mm. Um, and they just did such a beautiful job. We actually, we actually, you know finished early this night because right. they we thought that we we left plenty of time in case they needed to just take a 30 minute break you know um and uh instead we did i think we just did two takes at michelle two takes at staff and then yeah. some pickups but like 
we wrapped several hours early. Yeah. The only time on the whole shoot where we wrapped early. Yeah. Um, but we kind of needed it because everybody had been crying at the monitor and it's like, <laughs> oh God, let's just go home. We need to call our parents. Yeah, it was a really good feeling to know we had it. And mm -hmm. we, we got everything we needed. The nice thing is the end of the scene was uh, everybody singing Barbie Girl by Aqua, uh, <laughs> which got cut from the movie, but um, it was it was helpful on set, you know, like as an emotional palate cleanser that everybody got to sing sing together. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would, it'll make more sense in the script, but at the beginning of the movie when they're doing karaoke in the mirror, mm -hmm. they were actually originally supposed to be singing Barbie Girl. Yeah, and so then it would come full circle and they would sing it with the whole... This this Party. moment wasn't even in the script. They just it just happened to happen, and I I cut it in because she was talking about the specks of time that make sense, and I was yeah. like, oh, this is really kind of sweet. I wish we could hold longer. Mm -hmm. Grab my hair. <laughs> Those are Harry's actual laughs. <laughs> and then Tally Medell. This performance is breaking hearts. Incredible. With her. One line. What did he say? That's all. Yeah, it's beautiful. Which is kind of what this movie is. It's like, what did he say? What does this mean? What are you trying to do? But you're still feeling something, which I love. Mm -hmm. It's like, it gets beyond the intellect and, and purely goes into feeling and experience. Those rocks really are at the bottom of a canyon in Anza Borrego. We just, they're gone now. And here, this is the moment where the hand reaches back out, which was, felt like a really important moment to, to not lose in the chaos. Oof. We made them squirt a lot of ketchup and mustard into each other's mouths, and then we just used a moment of it that's all when, we needed yeah, yeah when they saw the final cut they were like what the hell guys like this, you made us do all that this moment where we're holding on her for a really long time this wasn't originally how we cut it but it was like a while later that paul and dan were looking back through footage and they're like should we use you called it like the gooey take or yeah yeah they're just they're just melting yeah just tears on each other and um we kind of realized that the moment deserved it deserved mm -hmm that much catharsis just like oh, oh god we're messes it was a really happy discovery this was another moment that we discovered in the edit where she says we can do whatever we want originally was... she doesn't say nothing matters right here nothing matters and that's we just stole that from another scene and, and it totally and we like oh it, it unlocked perfect. so much thematically yeah it, like oh we've we've gone full circle where nothing matters is a beautiful sentiment it's yeah. a nothing matters but you right here and now instead of kill yourself <laughs> you're right exactly um and here we are for our third part yeah only one more hour left guys <laughs> just kidding there's only four more shots left yeah again once we've got brought, brought ourselves back to the real world we're like let's just take our time with these shots make sure that the shot design is is um you know, really conducive. Intentional, yeah, but intentional to efficient. Yeah. So this is all. I'm a bald man, shot. and one time Dan's mom told me I needed to grow more hair, so it, it made <laughs> that, its way into a movie. That's the inspiration. <laughs> you're the Becky. Yeah. Aw, sweetheart. Yeah, you're the Becky. We're we're kissing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
this is shot number two. Or, uh, or, uh, three. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, I thought oh, we were for counting for four, because there's okay. only one more, right? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this, uh, originally we, we cut it up a bunch. We had a lot more coverage, but it worked out really yeah, well. Yeah, like, no, just, we should just hang on this medium shot. It's all it needs. And once again, like, this kiss, it's, it's so unnatural for, um, immigrant parents to just have the Hollywood kiss and it feels so nice to have a movie where, you know, they earned it. <laughs> they worked, they went like, again, they, they, they went through the chaos of, of the multiverse and infinity mm -hmm. just so they could have that moment. Um, but it was important to us that it wasn't a happy ending fully. Like she's still splintered right. through the multiverse. She's yeah. everywhere. And life is still overwhelming. Like, the idea of a movie that ends where it's like, and anyway, just uh, quiet the noise. No big deal. Felt insincere. Right. Um, we snuck some weird stuff in the sound design here. Uh, there's like Alpha Gong Gong and an eagle and some more Rakakuni. And... Evelyn, did you hear me? Sorry. Wall of sound. Uh, uh, this was inspired by... Uh, Perfume Genius, other side. Oh yeah, of the, course. If it wasn't same obvious, beautiful wall of sound. I'm, uh, I'm proud of the the titles there. The little stretch was uh, something we, we were playing with a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> very obnoxious, but. And then uh, now we're just gonna point out some badasses as we go through the credits. Uh, I guess first up is um, uh, well, that's our producer John Wong. Um, but He's been with us for the 10 music years. you're listening to is can't believe it exists it's a uh, david byrne and mitski original song for our closing credits uh josh rodnick is our manager he's been with us for he's the longest part of this from start yeah. to finish allison reed and john were integral parts of the production team who came out and made the movie possible we're not gonna be able to say everybody's names yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we mentioned most of these people you know yeah you got that so there's familiar names in here exactly um Paul Rogers wanted to make his name like three times bigger than everyone else's. Right. But and we were like, Paul, God, you're so yeah, he's, full of yourself. He's, he's a sweetheart to, until yeah. he's not. Until, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was fun to reach out to folks and get their Chinese names in here. Ki Kwan, just like Dan Kwan, spelled differently in English, but we have the same exact name. Mm -hmm. He used to go by John Kwan, Jonathan yeah. Kwan. And we were like, what the hell? Jonathan Wong and Dan Kwan have mushed together and now we mm -hmm. found the actor. Uh, that's perfect for our movie. I, I wonder if... Are we going to do the whole credits? I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you guys for listening to this. Thank you for supporting the movie and buying uh, buying it. I hope you know. we didn't... Uh, Hopefully this is helpful. We, yeah. we try not to be the kind of filmmakers who keep much close to the vest. You know, it's like a challenge to ourselves to be like, all right, we've now we've now told you all our tricks. We have to come up with new ones, or mm -hmm. um, we can't just do the same thing uh, next time. Who knows? Maybe we will. Um, yeah, I want to do the close. I'm going to do the credits. It's just I'm just going to enjoy shouting out some names. <laughs> Hell yeah, a Daniel's film. Who it's are funny. they? When Swiss Army Man came out, and people were like a daniels film how yeah. pretentious what, what is this yeah. but now it's like no everyone's got a weird name it's fine yeah aquafina zendaya yeah got no last name uh my partner stephanie suggested that we put all the pas up front and i loved we loved that idea because they were the first ones there and the last ones to leave and uh and on our movie we had some really 
hardworking, cool um, PAs. We got to, uh, I had to figure out the names of some of these characters when we made the credits. We were like, what do we call them? Trophy? Trophy guy and bigger trophy guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's our incredible stunt team, Colin Fullenwider. That was his name. Um, and then the previses were incredible. It was the Marshall Club, as we mentioned. They're a YouTube team of friends from Orange County. Vange down there uh, was our sustainability supervisor. We tried to keep the set green where possible so we greener than usual I, I yeah think, hopefully we'll just keep getting better every every production it's like a part of making movies that i love is to just think about like what the making of the film can do and 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 how we make it and whether that's keeping the vibes positive or um you know destroying the planet a little less uh it's i think it helps the movie when we're having these conversations behind the scenes uh, there's James Jason Hamer's team that we shouted out so much, and Anissa's team. Um, Minnie was one of the assistant costume designers. She was so great. Um, Josh Bramer, he was you know prop master. This mm -hmm. was our first movie with him, and he, when he read the script, his brain exploded. He's like, I can't do this. Yeah, but and big shout out to Janus there casting. Uh, she was such an integral part of the casting process. We love her. Yeah. Um, and Derwin Dietes. I never met him. He sounds awesome. I wish I had met him. <laughs> our gardener. Cool. Um, even our even our Teamsters and Transpo people, we uh, had such a nice relationship with them. Um, Ooh, Zoe and Ashish. Oh, my um, God. MVPs. Our from assistant our editors had such a, the hardest job. The, the yeah. amount of stuff we had to do. Oh, shout out to our visual effects team. There Look it how is. small it is. Not very big. And it's gone. It's over. Goodbye, VFX. Um, Unbridled, uh, which is uh, Brent Kaiser. Mm -hmm. um, That's the sound team. He's worked with us on a lot. And they were they were on the project straight from the beginning. Like, even while we were rough cutting, they'd, they'd help us pull sound effects and stuff. And uh, just some heavy hitters' names just dropped in there for the score. It's just like, wait, did that say... Andre Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, and then we have our Paris pickup crew. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, so like we, we never got to meet any of them. The in most person. miserable day of shooting on the shit was us staying up all night on a Zoom call with Michelle as she tried to act on green screen in Paris, but they made it possible. And so we were very grateful. We use a lot of stock footage mm -hmm. <laughs> to make this movie possible. Yeah, there's our family's names and uh, a lot of people there in the thanks that helped uh, quite a bit, um, including Gus Gus, Larkin's son. <sighs> I'm not credited for my trumpet playing. Yeah. Oh, I'm so <laughs> sorry, man. Time. I was. Uh, I am credited as co-writing some of the dumbest songs in the movie. I, kept, I was like, Ryan, I, I don't need a writing credit. And he was like, I think he didn't want full credit for uh, Life Can Be So Delicious. Uh, I've always wanted to, for, next to the American Humane Society, put an additional postscript that says, uh, we harmed hundreds of animals. Thousands of animals were harmed in the making of this movie because we had meat at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What do you think? Should we have put that in there? <laughs> well, but now, don't worry, the dog there. was fine, the pig was fine, but uh, we also ate pig at lunch, so maybe the pig, other pigs were not fine. <laughs> yeah. Hot take. 
That's a great way to end the whole Great way to end it. Hot Dog Hands LLC. Eat, eat hot dogs, but get Beyond Sausage. We don't need to eat so much meat. Uh, oh, and this little company called A24. They made it all possible. Thank you, guys. Possible. Oh, my God. Goodbye. Goodbye. We'll see you on the next one, maybe in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs>